LSG Media presents a Game of Thrones podcast. Welcome back to the Game of Thrones podcast by LSG Media. I'm Dean and I am joined by Jessica. And today we are going to celebrate the destruction of House Bolton. So you can tell yeah, that we, we have a... Uh, we're not going to be objective about this, are we, Jessica? We're, we're pretty much Team Stark here. Even I'm though totally we, Team Stark. Even though we pretend to be Team Bolton. Maybe you pretend to I be pretend Team Bolton. I pretend to be Team Bolton. Just to ruffle feathers and watch listeners just get on their computers and send me hate mail about how could I support such an awful human. <laughs> not much subtlety to Ramsey Bolton. That's another thing we're going to talk about. There's a couple of articles out there going, well, this battle lacks the more complicated nuances of multiple... Uh, points of view and uh what it does what? is it makes it you know other characters have clear motivations and um we'll talk about it. don't worry about Thank that god that i you know about how i feel about the internet and my battles i used to fight with the internet in previous seasons of this mm. podcast Do you know how the high sparrow gives up his riches and he simply decides that he is going to take his shoes off and be a bum yeah a bum that's what he's deciding to be just like uh in pulp fiction when jules tells vincent he goes you decided to be a bum uh, that's essentially what the High Sparrow is doing as a form of pen, penance, right? As a form of punishment to himself to remind himself that he doesn't need these trappings. Well, that's my relationship with the internet. Internet. Sometimes I take my shoes off and I get my feet dirty in the opinions of others <laughs> to sometimes remind myself that the world, the world could be much worse if I allowed myself to be influenced by such things. But there are some good, good articles out there. I was reading a few. I was looking up different battle strategies, the Battle of Canae and Civil War shit and all the inspirations for this. And uh, there's a lot of cool information about this battle by itself. It's really a battle episode. And um, I'm going to just ask you right off the bat, Jessica, with the old Battle of the Bastards, our, the, uh, the, the Game of Thrones episode nine special, which is the let's, let's fuck battle shit up. Battle episode. Yeah, let's fuck shit up in episode nine. We've done this for many seasons. We did the Watchers on the Wall. We did Hard Home, except that wasn't episode nine, I don't think. But Dean and I have done this. We do our Jon Snow battles once every season or so. We've podcasted about them all. About them all. You don't lie about that, do you? Why would I? I don't know. Well, listen. I just know my time hop kept like reminding me that we did Watchers on the Wall not that long ago. Yeah. Well, you're right. long ago, but you know, two years ago. Tell me. It's easy to get wrapped up in the spectacle of it all. Listen to me. I sound like one of these academic cunts that write articles. It's easy to get wrapped up in the spectacle of it all. But once the emotion passes and you watch it a second time, how do you feel at the end of the episode, Jessica? I loved it. Just as strongly, correct? Yeah, I, th I thought it was I, I thought it was great. I liked I thought we were gonna go into this episode and we were just gonna see Winterfell. And I thought mm. that might be a little too much because even cute. the episodes like Watchers on the Wall and Hard Home were a little too too much shit you didn't need. And we've had three episodes in a row with too much shit you didn't need. And this didn't have that at all. I liked every scene in this, especially I liked in Marine. We just got down to business. We're like, okay. That's a very aggressive uh, Kung Fu karate chop that's you're right. doing on your hands. And it's frightening me. Oh, that's frankly. right. I'm a frightened white man in my home of your aggressive behavior. It makes me scared. I'm about to call the police on you. So could you please keep yourself under control? I'll try my best. Thank you. Anyway, loved it. Thought everything that happened in the episode was great. The yeah. battle stuff was gorgeous i don't know how else to describe it it was so well done and the feeling of anxiety and claustrophobia they were able to make you have as a member of the audience 
was incredible. Mm. And I see why. Let's be honest. We all knew this episode was going to have a huge epic battle, more epic than anything we've ever seen. We all know that they submitted this for all their Emmys. And we all knew the Lords of the Veil were going to come and everyone's going to be okay at the end. Right. It wasn't a surprise. No. But I was still scared the whole time. Indeed. They did a good job. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of um there's a lot of talk in the Facebook chat. We're going to do our best to grab a couple of comments, but I'm going to be addressing the overall themes as we go through the episode that I saw on Facebook, which was uh, is this a deus ex machina? Is it uh, a little bit corny that the Knights of the Veil vale show up? Is Sansa's deceit or, or, or potential ignorance of the, the Knights of the Veil vale and her not revealing that to John a problem? We'll get to that. Oh, that's going to be a problem. We'll talk about all that. We'll talk about, uh, there was one comment I think I saw about Danny allowing herself to be sieged um, all night into the dawn. Um, letting people die while she cooked up what the hell she was going to do instead of just loosing her dragons earlier on those fleets. I mean, this is all very much uh, uh, the, the the themes I'm seeing out there about what was going on, about the Rickon character arc, about the does this battle. And, and I know I was I was talking like a twat at the beginning when I was like, well, he lacks the subtlety of the points of view of multiple sides. It's you don't want uh, the Lannisters to to win the Battle of the Blackwater, but you don't want Tyrion to be defeated by Stannis and that type of complex complexity. Uh, and I just want to say that sometimes it's good to just to have a good old fashioned pitched battle against evil and to uh, ground and pound Ramsay's face in uh, like uh, fucking UFC style until uh, even though a ref would have jumped in on that shit. Soon as Ramsey wasn't defending himself intelligently, fucking Big John McCarthy would have broke that shit up and declared Jon Snow the winner by technical knockout. But um, I'm gabbering too much. Jessica, give me some more initial thoughts on some of this shit I'm talking about, or you just want to tackle it as we go. I just wanted to add to what you were saying about nuances of battle, blah, 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 whatever. I don't care. Sometimes we just want to win for the good guys. Yeah. And yeah, we had to lose 1-1, and that was hard, and that was tragic. Yeah, we lost Rickon, but nobody cares because he was 47 years old. He was 123. I'm he surprised you could even run. He had a long life. People, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to Rickon's defense right now. They were talking about Rickon's inability to serpentine run, which is, uh, you know, do the old S pattern as you run away so you don't get hit. But here's the deal. When you reach his age, bone <laughs> density becomes a problem and you lack balance in maneuverability. Mobility, trust me, people. Mobility becomes an issue once you hit 65. And as we know, Rickon, once he hit 65, straight was the best you were going to get out of him. Let's be fair. I, I thought Dean was actually going to make an argument for Rickon, and I was going to call him out because during the episode, when we were watching it, he was the first one in the room we were in to scream, run in a zigzag pattern. <laughs> Serpentine, zigzag. Fuck, dude, do something. The, the actor who plays Rickon tweeted um, something about it, like... Should have zigged or something, or should have zigzagged. I don't know. He tweeted something along those lines. Somebody posted it on the Game of Thrones page, and I thought it was cute. It was pretty cute. But when you know, you're, we'll never see him again, guys. When you're 174, it's hard. It's hard to to run, and uh, we all know that his brittle bones and skin would easily be punctured by those arrows, even at such a great range. Although I find uh, Ramsey hitting him a bit dubious. That was some deep arrow shooting. Um, he do we not remember the be I as far as I'm concerned, I'm not 
bothered by Ramsey hitting Rick yeah. on, but we'll get to it when we get to it because I yeah. think they've set precedents from this from the second we've met him. Yeah, he's a good show. But we'll get there. He's basically, he's essentially Robin Hood that rapes people, right? He steals, he kills. Steals from the rich. I don't think Robin Hood was ever them, known as a raper. Cuts off their penises. Yeah, so, sounds about right. Yeah, torturing and mutilating, raping version of Rape Robin Hood. Rape and Hood, says mandatory ah! in the chat. <laughs> oh, shit, son. <laughs> Rape and Hood. This is why we have a chat, so people can make jokes oh, for us. Yes. Yeah, I got to tell you. I got to tell you, we know we got some good listeners, right? We got the best listeners. Yeah, I think, they're, I think I mean, they're, they're pretty good. Let's not get it twisted. And uh, sometimes Mando Tori, he is quick on the draw. He's like the Billy the Kid joke teller. He's just like. <laughs> and uh, then you got like protracted warfare, like phalanx, which is like Andrea Ramos. You know, she just sets <laughs> you up and just drills you forever. This guy's more of a quick draw artist. So uh, yeah, Rapin Hood. He is essentially Rapin Hood, which is good. Well, Jessica, I think we've dilly-dallied long enough. What do you think? Let's begin. M- much much the like beginning. the knights in the veil of the Vale who hid behind an outcropping of rocks and drank and listened to stories Just about waiting. Peter Baelish, I think it's time that we show up as a reserve force and break this dirty phalanx by charging it from behind with a wedge formation. What do you think? I'm ready. All right. I'm ready, too. Well, I like the opening on M- Marine, this hard open we get a close-up of them loading some sort of projectile, flaming projectile, cannonball shit, Greek fire, I don't know what you want to call it, into these catapults that they have on these ships. And they're essentially bombarding the castle, or the pyramid in this case, from the water. Now, I love me a good naval bombardment. There's something about that that really swells the old testes. I love a good naval bombardment. So I was, uh, I was down with this. I liked this scene. I thought it was cool. I like that it jumps right in. And uh, mom comes home and Tyrion hasn't taken out the trash, right? Dishes in the sink, fruit flies, which means the dishes have been sitting for far too long, litter full, hasn't done any of his chores, and mommy is very cross at him. And uh, I got to tell you, what do you think about this interaction? It, it, it makes it look bad, but Tyrion did do some positive here, didn't he? What do you think? Yeah, Danny doesn't get it. She doesn't know how bad it was when she left. Tyrion did an okay job. Danny just happened to get home at the one point where something bad was happening. You know, right. like your parents out of town and you don't do that shit because you're going to do it the next day after you throw your giant keg party. Mm. But then they come home early and you don't have time to clean. Right. What were you doing? Oh, you know, I was just getting drunk with the people you left me responsible for, right? No big deal. Essentially buying liquor for minors is what he's been doing. He's he's just a party animal. He's a frat boy at this point. I love Tyrion. He's a frat boy minus the uh, date rape charges, which is good. So I still can root for Tyrion. Thank God. Yeah, he doesn't, you know, play lacrosse or anything, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> I don't want to get sued for libel. Or what am I doing? I'll That's libel. Wait, wait, wait. Libel's in writing. What's the other one? Just, uh, what do you call that? I oh, don't there's know. lawyers in the chat. Help me out. Lawyer, day. please. Libel's writing, besmirching somebody via the written word. What's the audit? Slander, of course. Slander. Thank you, chat. I'm just glad that we have like lawyers on retainer in this chat, just in case. Yeah. So we'll just add the allegedly tag to everything because we don't really know. And maybe we're just being ironic and sarcastic and doing a satire of uh, modern. I don't know what I'm talking about, but let's, uh, let's continue with this siege. So anyway, they have a little bit of a chit chat. Danny listens. Yeah. And then she says, great. Shall we begin? Pretty badass. Yeah. She don't got time for this small talk. But 
she does have time, I think, because I think she showed up at nighttime and the sun was way up over that horizon. Uh, that was my complaint about this. Weird, right? We ended at what nighttime. What is this, The Walking Dead? It's Dean, daytime, nighttime, and then fucking daytime again? Dean and, tried to tell me that it was just dawn, but that's not what it seemed like to me. And even if it was just dawn, it was just weird. I didn't like it. On a, on a rewatch, it seemed like there was a bit of time, a little bit of a logistic time passing there. Maybe she just was, you know, holding out while the sons of the harpy got to work. Maybe she was just trying to uh, cut down on the overpopulation issue she's facing. Yeah, let a few people die. Yeah. She just sits there staring at Tyrion, neither of them say anything, waiting for the first person to make their move. Yeah, could have been a false flag, you know, trying to drum up support while pretending to be helpless. I don't know. I don't know what she was doing, but it took a little bit of a while. And uh, I don't I don't hate it. I, I can look through that, I suppose. I don't want to beat that up too much. But I like how Tyrion reminds her that, oh, and Daenerys, before, before Tyrion brings up why Jaime killed uh, Ares II, can we talk about how Daenerys is talking about bringing back crucifixions? I mean, she's bringing that old hat back up. Oh, oh yeah. No, she, yep. She wants to kill all those masters, kill their soldiers, destroy their cities. She, she's going to, yeah. she how, means business. She is. She's been looking at the Bolton playbook at the old crucifixion game. And uh, she's like, well, it worked for them to take the North. So maybe. But in an episode that was aptly released on Father's Day, there was so much shit talking about people's dads in this episode. Almost right, as if it was on purpose. Mm. Hmm. Maybe Benioff and Weiss got some daddy issues. Apparently. I've seen What's-His-Name's beard. That just screams daddy issues to me. I don't know. Which one is the one with the beard? He uh, looks like somebody, but I just can never figure out who. Every yeah. time I see him, I'm like, you look like somebody, but I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, that was a boring story. Let's move on. Continue. <laughs> anyway, Tyrion wants her to relax, and he brings up her dad and he brings up something very important that has nothing to do with this episode, but has to do with the season finale. Right. He brings up the fact that he knew that there was wildfire under the Red Keep because the Mad King told Jamie the Mad King was going to burn everybody with it. And Jamie killed him to stop him. Mm. We didn't hear this story. So Tyrion could say, oh, Danny, your dad's crazy. He could have just said, oh, Danny, your dad's <laughs> and it, crazy. It, and it certainly wasn't to make us like Jamie. <laughs> After everyone fell off the Jamie bandwagon with his, I'll cross oceans of time for Jamie or whatever the Cersei. fuck, or Cersei, whatever he says. Ew, I hate Jamie right now. Stop anyway. It. You watch yourself. This was on purpose, this little quote right here to remind us, oh, there's wildfire under the red, wildfire under the red keep. Oh, Cersei was asking Kyburn about stuff under mm -hmm. the red keep. Oh, I'm sorry. Everyone's going to die in King's Landing next week. And at least I will have three people off my Deadpool and I'm still going to lose. Yeah, I think at least the Sept of Baylor, but we'll get to that. Do you want to talk about when we get when we talk about some? Oh yeah, we we can get to it at the end, but just mark my words: we're I've, all gonna I've die. Literally marked them on in the on the episode tracker. Good, good work. Yep. Well, Tyrion wants to suggest an alternative, and then we get to this parlay scene. Uh, these three wise men over here looking for Jesus decide that they're going to start cracking wise. I like how that one guy has like so much eyeliner on. Yeah, he's beautiful, isn't he? I mean those eyes. I like the eyeliner. It looks good on him. It's a mm. good choice for him. I have their names written down somewhere. Oh, you do? Yeah. I have Hipster Slaver. He's the guy <laughs> with the beard. Right? <laughs> I you had real names. I have mas Mascara Eyeliner Slaver. And then, of course, I have Nose Man Slaver because that is a beak. I mean, that beak puts mine to shame and I've got a beak on me. Yeah, you do. It's big. I mean, it is massive. He looks like Cyrano de Bergerac, except less charming. That's what I thought. But what are you going to do? Anyway. 
So these guys are talking about, you're going to surrender. Here's the simple terms. And then Daenerys decides that she's going to flip the script. We're here to discuss your surrender. Love it. Great line. Love the way she says that. Mm -hmm. And I was waiting for it. And it was it was great. Dude, can we talk about Drogon? He's a cool, cool dragon. He is humongous. He's humongous. That was, his appearance was incredible. Uh, I was reading the, uh, you know, I'm reading that, uh, God damn it, that book about um, some of the conquests that happened before the, the world of ice and fire. And uh, I, I was reminded of, just based on some of the imagery in the book alone, they talk about Torin Stark or Torin Stark. He was known as the king who knelt and um, he kneeled to Aegon the firsts. Uh, because Aegon showed up on a similar sized dragon. Actually, that one was probably a little bit bigger. And uh, when the, the the when the king in the north saw this fucking dragon, he just dropped to his knee and saved everyone's lives versus getting burned to death. And uh, it was cool to think about this again, because as soon as a dragon shows up, the masters know, all right, we're done. We cannot do this. <laughs> we're not going to win. And that's going to be something that I think we see a lot of. As all three of these dragons grow, people are just going to surrender. They don't have much of a choice uh, when it comes to fighting these dragons as they are full size. When Drogon was small, I believe it was what Dance of Dragons episode when the Sons of the Harpy attack at the Colosseum and he gets wounded yeah, a little, but he was tiny. He was compared to how he is now. Do you think them shitty little spears are going to pierce his scale? I don't think so. And he's got his two bros that broke out at the right time. And we're like, right. hey, here we are. Crazy. What's up? It's going to be crazy. So um, I'm excited about it. I like that uh, Drogon shows up and turns their fancy tan pants brown. Yeah. And then I like when the Dothraki show up, minus Dario, because you know how I feel about him. Yes, of course. Uh, she rides the dragons. Can we talk about these tracking shots? This... this dragon ride cam now i know i made fun of the ride the riding of the dragon in the dance of dragons episode but boy it is a lot better now and when i watched it i was i was pumping my fist i was pumped it was awesome that's because they saved a lot of their budget for this episode right here and they were oh, yeah. like oh we got to use most of it on the battle but we have a couple extra dollars we can throw at those dragons this time right it was beautiful uh and uh, she proceeds to dismantle one boat with the help of the other two dragons who burst forth from stone walls. And uh, Jesse Ellis mentioned this in the chat, how the, how the flame actually had weight to it, like the propellant that they're spitting or whatever it is, actually it has like a physical force to it, and it just breaks through the ship and pushes shit over. And, and that's such a cool observation because it makes the fire so much more menacing, the idea of it having this physical concussive property that just blows shit away. It's, it's such a good observation by him that we have to mention it because I just love the effect. I love how they dismantled the one boat. These poor slaves, by the way, these slave soldiers on these boats are like, fuck, this sucks. Like, we don't even like these guys. The whole time I'm thinking the last place you want to be is in a boat with dragons flying around with fire because boats are not maneuverable at all compared to something flying circles around you. You're never going to hit it with your fucking siege weapon unless you get really lucky. You're sitting ducks in the water. You have no chance. And uh, I liked seeing that. The, the masters really underestimated the capability of Marine, of, of Danny, of, of Grey Worm, 
what what do you think about the the hubris here of the masters deciding that even after the deal they struck with Tyrion, and Tyrion says it best, right? He says they can't if one of city exists, it will become contagious. Once they realize that they don't have to have slaves, it will be a contagious problem, and uh, the masters will lose their grip slowly but surely. And um, that's why they attacked. They were motivated to maintain their way of life, so they attacked Marine with what they had, hoping that they could that they'd have a victory. I'm, and I'm still not convinced they had it based on their ships alone, even without Daenerys's interference. Uh, although the Sons of the Harpy on the inside causing chaos and dissent was uh, a pretty powerful strategy. But what do you think about all of this overall? I love this because what this scene is, is it's showing us what is to come, what Danny has built, what she has. She has these dragons. She has this Dothraki army. She has right. the second sons. She has the Unsullied. We watch all of them do something here. Great we point. see Grey Worm kill these men. Loved we see Masandi being the one to speak to them. Loved it. It, it, it was, this is only going to get bigger. And Danny, we're about to add somebody else to this army, which makes it even better. What we're doing here is, this doesn't even matter about the slavers attacking Marine. What it matters, what matters here is, this is what Danny has built. Mm-hmm. And she's going to Westeros now. Right. I don't think there's any more of this bullshitting and Marine happening. I think next season she's on the move. She's on the move. I like it. Yeah, I like I like what you're getting at here. And and I want to talk a little bit about Grey Worm in, in Missandei because I think that their I think their addition to the scene was strong this week from both of those characters. I liked Missandei because I really like Missandei. But I really liked her as she's gone beyond translator. The 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 masters refer to her as a translator. Right. C3PO is a fucking translator. Whoa. Okay. Missandei is a, is now an advisor. She started as C3PO, except way hotter. Way hotter. Less shiny, but way hotter. And now she's grown into full-blown advisory capacity. She she speaks and she delivers terms and she has Danny's confidence and she works in tandem uh, with the battle commander, which of course is Grey Worm, while you have the uh, the concierge, uh, the the fucking advisor, the grand advisor in Tyrion, who is just there to offer her some perspective that they might not be accustomed to based on their culture alone. And I just think that it's displayed really nice in this scene. And I know this is going to sound corny and like I'm reaching, and maybe I am, but even the way in which Grey Worm kills these two guys with a single dagger stroke. And, you know, we can talk about, we make fun of The Walking Dead for cantaloupe heads. We might have to do a new hashtag called butternecks because <laughs> these people just slash throats like no problem. Whatever. I'm willing to let that go. Butternecks. This show can get away with a lot before it's on Walking Dead level. No, no. I, I, I got you. But I think that his simple stroke in his putting of his dagger away and the way he stood there, composed, uh, unyielding, without emotion. It was powerful. I, I just thought he did good work. Uh, and, and, and Masandi was there too, and she wasn't afraid, and she was brave, and she spoke with confidence. I just thought it was nice to see all of these parts become involved in everything. And what a brilliant strategy by Danny. Last week, I was screaming, why is this dragon not torching these ships? Well, that's because they're more wise than I am, right? They thought, we're going to make an example of one ship and destroy it with such impunity, with such mercilessness, and with such overwhelming force that you are going to be forced to yield. 
We're taking this ship out in, in 20 seconds and reminding you that your whole fate will die. Or you can no longer, you don't have to be slaves. We'll give you jobs. We're taking your ships and the masters are dead. A great strategy. Something I didn't think about at the time. I always forget that these people manning these boats and these soldiers that fight for these slave masters are slaves. And I know we can probably make some correlations in uh, kind of like uh, Kim did in her email to us about how these lower class peasants that fight for these lords are slavish as well, for sure. But these guys are literally in chains and uh, because they'll rout, they'll leave, they'll flee and they'll die fleeing. They have no, they have no dog in the fight, as they say. So mm-hmm. just a good scene overall. Told a good story. I liked it. And uh, I'm glad that Mascara Man lived and that hipster. Me too. I was just going to say right? that. Oh, it's so nice. I'm glad that he lived with his mascara face. Yeah. He looks like somebody Oberon would be into, I think. Oberon would definitely bang him. Yeah. I for think so. sure. Give me a Not old. even a question. <sighs> there you go. Well, Tyrion bids the survivor farewell after Grey Worm's smooth stroke. And I like that. I like how T- Tyrion has such a genuine way about him. He places his hand on the man's shoulder and he says, Tell them what happened here. Mm-hmm. Warn them, and uh, that's it. So, tell them how awesome Daenerys Stormborn is. Okay, bye. Do you think? Let me ask you this: Do you think that the remaining forces from these surrounding territories have learned their lesson? Do you think she has, in this single act and display of ridiculous power, dragons? Like you said, name them all: dragons, second son, unsullied. Now this fleet, now a now a hundred, that's 100 Greyjoy ships who are masters of naval combat. Do you think these other territories just fall in line and bend the knee? Or do you think they maintain this stubborn bullshit like we're going to continue to do this until you kill us? Do you think, in other words, do you think she's going to have to beat these places into submission or do you think she's rallied these people and she's on the move? I think she's rallied these people and she's on the move solely because of meta thinking that we can't do this shit again in Marine. We've already done it like 17 times. I'm bored. Right. If she leaves, she can't, they can't, if they revolt again while she's gone, I mean, she'll lose the city. She's going to leave Masande and Grey Worm there to rule in her place. They're going to get married. They're Mm -hmm. not going to have children for obvious reasons. Right. But they're going to get shit done. Yeah. And we're never going to see them again. It's funny. I, I think about the second sons. Are they... Do you think they're motivated by loyalty to the masters or do you think that the masters have- The second sons no, I'm sorry. belong to Danny. Sons of the Harpy. Yeah. Do you think that the sons of the Harpy were motivated out of this, we're going to repel these foreign invaders from within, sort of like an insurgency? Or do you think that they were promised some sort of riches by the masters or maybe a combination of both? Probably like what- both. So do you think with the masters surrendering that there'll still be dissidents who want to fight her in the city- do you think that that Sons of the Harpy thing will lessen? Do you like? I, I know. I know that when Tyrion reopened trade, things calmed down. So there is that. I just wonder if she's got a real handle on Marine at this point. Like in real life, I would say it's pretty tenuous. It's tenuous. But in television show world, I think we're good. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're saying, in the interest of what's remaining in this season, in this in this television show's run, in the series, mm-hmm. that we're going to not address this potentiality and then just move her towards Westeros. Yeah. Yeah. We have 15 episodes of television left. Right. It's not a lot of time to do a lot of things. We got to get her on the move. Yeah. uh, They could devote 15 minutes to it. I think, I think they, I think it needs to be addressed. Maybe, maybe we address it somewhat in the finale a little. Yeah. But yeah, maybe 
I don't think we're going to spend yeah, a, a lot point. of time. I don't think we're going to get another more battles of whatever. I don't think that Marine is going to be a focal point next season. Yeah. And you know, uh, yeah, you're definitely right about that. And, the, and it should be noted that the next episode, the finale is what, 70 minutes? Yes. So it's going to be even longer than this one. And there's not a huge battle. So they got to wrap up a lot of loose ends. But they're going to go everywhere. I thought we weren't going to see Winterfell again. I thought we weren't going to see Danny again. But based on um, next time on Game of Thrones, right. we're going to fucking see everybody. I think you're right about that, my friend. A lot friend. of people are going to die. I just hope we see Dorne so we can kill off Alaria Sands. All right. So one of the things we talked about last week was is that we were, largely speaking, unsatisfied with Arya's arc. Oh, How do you feel about us kind of now wrapping up this thing with with Daenerys? I know a lot of people have been tired of her, and she's not part of Westeros politics, which is the hotbed of intrigue and fun. But some of these scenes are just too amazing to deny, and and she's a complex character. You know, this these shades of Ares the Second. I like, I like that. I want to dirty her up a little, and I know that we've been doing that at times. She's executed people and. Uh, do you feel relatively, I mean, we're speaking really presumptuously here because we don't really know if she's done with Marine, but say she is. Are you happy with the way everything progressed in Marine? If it's over. Yeah, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy with I, it. I don't feel about Marine how I felt about Bravos. Right. But I was very tired of a I feel like I feel like for such a great character who is so beloved, Danny has gotten a lot of shit storylines, whereas other people haven't. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's um, a tough one because you're you're essentially baking the Danny storyline until you can unleash it on Westeros. Right, that's what you're doing. You have to get Westeros through everything it needs to go through right. before Danny arrives. So we right. have to keep Danny busy in the meantime. Correct. And unfortunately, the shit that Danny's doing isn't the most interesting stuff in the world. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's hit and miss a lot of times. Exactly. Right, and it's more interesting than Bravos, in my opinion, simply because it's 100%. it's got bigger ramifications for the through line. Overall, and because it had a point. Once we introduced Tyrion to Marine, I thought, great, we're starting to build bridges between these two places. Right, the Arm of Dorne is resurfacing. <laughs> we're connecting Westeros and Essos again. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, when we saw that real hard cut to Theon, which we're going to talk about right now, was yeah. awesome. I liked that there was no oh, no pomp and circumstance. He's just there. Love it. And oh, Tyrion hello, and Tyrion's putting the screws to him. Rightfully so. I Rightfully love it. Rightfully so. This is what's amazing about this show now is seeing people interact that we haven't seen interact in a long time or that we've never seen interact. When we saw Stannis and Davos meet John in The Wildlings, when we right. see John and Sansa reunite, sure. seeing John and Ramsay communicate, seeing Theon and Yara with Danny, with Tyrion again. This stuff, this is what you love. You just wait for it on Game of Thrones. It's so exciting. You know, Bran and Sansa getting together again. Mm-hmm. And I know nobody else cares, but when I saw my boyfriend, Peter Baelish with Sansa, I was like, hey, boyfriends. Wearing the douchiest face of all time. I, I, I love that man. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. My second Game of Thrones boyfriend after Jorah Mormont, but he's up there. Yeah, well, well, Tyrion is, uh, is letting Theon have it. He's questioning him about what's going on. He's essentially calling Theon Greyjoy the uh, Carlos Mencia of dwarf jokes because he's saying... <laughs> That Theon used to make the same jokes that everyone else made, and um, he didn't like that. And Theon admits to doing bad things, as bad as killing the Stark children, which he says he didn't do, but he does own up to what he did, which was things just as bad. Not specifics, but he says, essentially he's saying, you think I'm a bad man, you're right, I've done bad things. But not the bad things you think I did. Let's move forward, is what he's saying. 
And I like this. I like that Theon stands his ground here. Notice that Alan Alfie's playing him a little more confident. Alfie Allen. Alfie Allen, excuse me. What do you think about that? I love Alfie Allen, as you know. Uh, I think the actors on the show get to do amazing things. And when we talk about Ramsey, I'm going to talk about that a, a lot probably. But Alfie Allen is a great example of an actor who has gotten to do great things from being someone you despised to being someone you felt bad for. I mean, to, to someone who was so far gone, you couldn't see anything coming out of him other than one heroic moment and then his death, basically. Mm-hmm. And here we are. We didn't get, we got a heroic moment. But for the most part, we're watching him slowly build himself back up, which is something I never thought would happen. Right. I never thought we would see this from Theon. And I'm I'm glad. I like it. I like seeing him with confidence again. I like seeing him with Yara and backing Yara and her support of him. I'm really high on Yara, too, if we want to talk about her. We will. If I were to ask you uh, about a season ago, if I would have told you, Jessica, a <laughs> couple things. One, Theon Greyjoy. True or false, Jessica? Theon Greyjoy. And, and say I asked you this right after he got his dick chopped off. So it's pillar, pillar and stones <laughs> scooped right out of there, right? What if I would have said to you, Jessica, true or false, someday Theon will be in Essos, on the continent of Essos, in Marine, standing before Daenerys counseling with her about forming a possible alliance with 100 ironborn ships. You would have said what? No effing way. You told me to G-F-Y. And here he is. But you could say that about a lot of characters. And I think about that a lot. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think about, take a moment where they were two seasons ago and say, imagine if you were in this moment, those seasons ago, what would have happened? Yeah, it's crazy. It's wild to think about. It, It really is. So anyway, Yara is there and they're talking about Euron. They're talking about having done bad things. Yara says that, you know, this guy's coming over here to give you his big cock. And uh, they discuss Euron's arrival and what that's going to mean, a marriage proposal. He's going to offer an alliance. And then Yara says, look, my offer is free of marriage, but I'm up for anything. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink, nod, nod. I've been fucking crushing squats and deadlifts because my ass is like, pow, right now. Tell me you didn't notice, Jess, come on. Oh, I noticed. It was like, pow, like that. And uh, she was, uh, I love when her and Danny are face to face and you just see how big and formidable Yara is as, a, as just a woman. She's just a large warrior woman. She dwarfs Danny. <laughs> it's awesome to watch. And, uh, you know, we had a little bit of uh, uh, talking about, let's fix the world that these men fucked up. And, mm-hmm. so you, I was know, say. you know, fucking... You know, get your girl power moment on. High five, you bunch of savages. Yay. No. Mm. <laughs> I like that Yara relates to Danny in this way as a powerful woman who supposedly could, who wants to be a ruler and thinks she can rule. Sure. And men think she can rule. Right. And Danny's in similar circumstance. And Sansa, in her own way, is in her own way, is doing something kind of similar where right. she is. I like that. I like how Yara is able to relate to Danny as a woman who wants to lead and thinks that she can do right. Women with crazy fathers who were killed by usurpers. Mm-hmm. Also, I ship them as a couple. It's not going to happen. Write it down. Make it official. I am real high on Danny and Yara. It's not going to happen. I think they look really good together. They're both super pretty. I know I gave Yara a hard time for being a lesbian the last time we saw her, but I have now changed my mind and I'm all aboard this lesbian yard train. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. And 
I know about Jorah. You all know Jorah's my favorite, but you know, Danny was never going to bang him anyway. Oh God. I don't know about all this. I don't know about, I don't know about any of this. I miss Jorah every day though. Well, here's what I think. I think it's awesome to see how, uh, you know, while, while you're over there celebrating and you know, you're, you're singing about your women in history and the signs and the voting and the, you know, let's not have to make dinner all day and let's put on shoes and <laughs> fucking go to work and all these other ridiculous nonsensical ideas that you've come up with throughout history. Just remember who they turn to for nods of approval, right? I'm going to shatter your dream of egalitarianism mm. in Westeros. <laughs> Yara gets a nod of approval from Theon. Danny gets one from the dwarf. And then they proceed with their adventurer's handshake. They're just looking to their bros and friends for some thumbs up, but that's all. All right. They don't need approval. They all, get shit done. In all seriousness, it's a great scene. It's cool to see. It's cool to see uh, Daenerys open to working with one of the one of the major families from Westeros. She knows about the Greyjoys. She knows what they're about. No more reaving and raping, etc. She has some rules. This is not going to be how she wants things to go down. She's going to want things to be, for, for lack of better terms, as civil as she wants to make them. Mm-hmm. And she just can't have the Greyjoys representing an alliance with her while they're going around and being fucking savages. Right? right. So I like that. I like their little, uh, hey, we'll go about evil men, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's cool. And then, um, and then we know about uh, the Dothraki. So I want to talk about the Dothraki as it relates to these rules. Oh, Think they're going to follow him? Well, they're going to have to. They're going to have to or what? Well, we're not going to find out because the show's going to end when Danny takes over Westeros and we'll never know how the Dothraki behave. Well, the <laughs> yeah, but the Dothraki are going to have to land. They're going to have to fight knights. They're going to have to roam through towns and villages and all these other places. Well, they can rape and pillage then. It's war. Oh, okay. It's good that you have standards. <laughs> But Ramsey Bolton can't get his God-given right on his wedding day? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Unbelievable. <laughs> his God-given oh, you're a bad right person. from his wife that he married legally? Sansa, my beloved wife. Actually, <laughs> illegally, because she was already married to another man. Sansa's now married to two people, and she's about to marry another one in the finale, I think. So I guess she's into that whole... Not sister wives, brother, husbands. She was pledged to one, married another, <laughs> married another. Yeah. Right. And then she's probably going to marry Littlefinger pretty soon. So again, bro- brother, husbands, it's a new thing. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll find out. So yeah, the Dothraki, I'm just, I, I, something we haven't talked about. I know it came up on our Facebook chat uh, a few episodes ago, but something that we, that we have to know is that the Dothraki are going to be nigh impossible to control once they hit the shores of Westeros. And uh, I'm looking forward to how that goes because I, because listen, one of the things we have to we have to discuss is a lot of people are going, yay, Danny, oh girl, pow, yeah, high five, girl. Want to watch Grease later? And then <laughs> I don't know, I have no idea what I'm talking. Is about. Is that what women who like girl power do? Watch Grease? I don't a know. movie about a woman who changes herself for a man? <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't think so. Don't sir. be lulled into a false sense of security from the vagina because it'll trap you. Just like Ramsey Bolton trapped Johnny Snow. Just like that. With his vagina? No, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> My point is, is that we're all cheering for, for, for Daenerys, right? We want her to be successful. A lot of people are. 
But when she gets to Westeros, she's going to be taking shit over too, you know? So I don't know, unless the, unless we see something going on here with the Lannisters and the Greyjoys, what, what's, what's going to happen when, uh, and, and I'm just spitballing here. We don't need to get off on a tangent on this, but stuff to think about, you know, Sansa is going to be a Winterfell. Is Winterfell going to bend the knee to fucking Daenerys Targaryen? Probably not. Um, since, well, when, I don't know, we'll see. They find out that Daenerys Targaryen is related to Jon Snow. Hmm. Well, and Sansa and John are definitely going to be at war. <sighs> yeah, well, we'll see about that. There's a lot of cool political ramifications. And uh, sometimes when you're, uh, I, I just like people to think about it a little deeper because it's more interesting than just thinking about it on a surface level on some things. Uh, in the chat, it was discussed by um, David Earl and Mando that the wildlings used to rape and pillage all the time. And now they're just being cool bros and helping Jon Snow. Yeah, they've I been- paraphrase that, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but they've but but in their in their defense, they've been raping people that are up north, like the Karstarks and the Umbers. We don't care about them, and they've reformed. They have a no rape clause in their current contracts and their collective bargaining agreement. Soul of the Thraki. You think so? They're I don't think gonna they're going to sign just, it. Listen, if the wildlings can change their ways, I think that the Thraki can. All right, we'll see. All I know is is that whoever negotiated on behalf of the wildlings should definitely be the guy to do it for the Dothraki, right? I just want to make sure that, uh, I want to make sure that the (laughs) season six, episode nine, Dean has a heart. He wants to make sure the people of Westeros are safe, even though I routinely yell and scream bloody murder when people are getting killed in mass in this movie and TV show, whatever the fuck you want to call it. All right. Should we move on? Should we get to the, to the battle in question? Oh, I just wanted to point out my father's day quote. Your father's day quote. Yes. Our fathers are evil men. All of us here. Danny says to Yara. Theon and Tyrion. Ain't that the fucking truth? Amen. Let's move on. Mm. Happy Father's Day to all. Yeah. I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah, just throw it out there. Hashtag, just throwing it out there. I think Danny has a higher body count than Ares Targaryen, but I might be wrong. I don't know what Ares are. I don't read those history books. I can't keep up with that. That's why you should listen when I speak. I, I mean, <laughs> you never told me how many people he killed before. I'm so. telling you now. Something to think about. She got a lot of bodies. A lot of bodies. That old Danny. Yeah, well, so is Jon Snow. All right. Speaking of Johnny, good old Johnny Snow. Parlay. Yeah. So we got a couple of phases of the Battle of the Winterfell. I really like this. We begin? Please stop lip smacking in the mic. It's super loud in my ear. Sorry. You go like this. The people in the live chat, you're going to make them deaf. I'm going to murder you and then people will be deaf. Mm. Sounds of your screams. <laughs> I was like, you want to wrap that up? Do you have more to say in that sentence? Because it's falling flat. You're going to be dead and you're going to be, you're dumb. You got lips. Why is everyone yelling? All right. So parlay, great scene. I love the gray morning. I love the somber music, slow percussion strokes, low droning violins. This is shot with, this is shot in a way that is awesome to me. When you watch the film Gladiator and it starts off and you have Hans Zimmer's score just pumping your nads and things are getting ready and the Roman archers are lighting their arrows on fire and they're loading their catapults and they're preparing their shield wall and they're getting ready and the barbarians are hooting and hollering, you're so fired up. This starts with this parlay in such a somber tone. It has a real sense of dread and that's something I like about it. It's you got that feeling of I'm about to go to battle and I'm kind of scared when they started this parlay. This 
banners meeting, these two parties meeting out on the field to discuss terms. They talk. It felt dreadful. And I like that. I learned about battles of the olden times. through a great musical called Hamilton <laughs> that um, direct quote from that musical. Most disputes die and no one shoots. Is that the one where they made the white people black? Because I am very offended at this. Most of the time when people are going to go duel and fight each other and do all kinds of shit, you know, shit would get worked out before there was actually a fight. There you go. Just like Jamie wants to do with the blackfish and then successfully did. Ah, I like your style. Not here though. Not with these motherfuckers. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. All right. So anyway, Ramsey misses Sansa. Thank you for returning Lady Bolton, he says. And uh, John... My beloved wife, I've missed you terribly, he says. <laughs> Ramsey offers pardons all around. Uh, you don't have the men. You don't have the horses. There's no need for a battle, Johnny says. Uh, oh, no, no, no. That's Ramsey saying basically surrender. I'm a man of mercy. Uh, the Probably the biggest bullshit line of all time in Game of Thrones. Yeah, Sansa's like rolling her eyes. John tries the old uh, mano y mano. Let's do this like a couple of bros. But Ramsey ain't having it. And uh, he starts to break down the numbers, which are disconcerting, to say the least. Ramsey isn't sure he can beat John in single combat, but he knows that his 6,000 versus, what, your 2,500 to 3,000 plus Winterfell? I got you, buddy. Please, Jon Snow. You gonna, know nothing, Jon Snow. You know nothing, Jon Snow. You're going to get trampled. So, it continues. John sticks it to Ramsey about not fighting for his men. Ramsey gets a real snarling rage across his face. I like that moment. You get a real quick look at the anger he feels at this slight. And that's when Sansa does the old Rick and Bluff. And then we see the severed head of Shaggy Dog plopping down onto the battlefield here. And she says, you're going to die tomorrow, Lord Bolton. Sleep well. Love it. And um, then she rides off. This is after we see Shaggy Dog's head, right? Did you mention that? I did. Okay. Sorry. She rides off. Ramsey looks forward to having that fine woman back. Ramsey's dogs are hungry. He wonders which parts of these men they're going to eat first. Balls, Soft tissue. Etc. And um, there's a lot of complaints about this because mm-hmm. at the end of the episode. I agree. <laughs> Sansa says something about knowing the dogs haven't eaten. Yet she rides away before it's spoken. But like, how far away was she? Could she have still overheard his voice on the wind? Like, what? I don't know what her hair hearing is like. What the fuck? How loud did he say it? Did you see cat ears on her head as she rode away like a Maybe. furry and a little cat tail? Doot, 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 doot. She's thundering what if away. Could you go? Could you go? Could you go? Could you go? And she hears him say something what about if dogs. Casually mentioned it to her. Like, what if she was hanging out back at the strategy playing session? All the men were talking, and she starts talking to Lyanna Mormont. And she's like, "Hey, so what's up?" She's like, oh, you sure what this guy said about his starving dogs? He hasn't fed him in seven days. What an asshole. Fair Sansa's point. like, hmm. Fair good point. point, young queen of Bear Island. <laughs> fair, fair, fair point. My favorite character, by the way. Not really, but I love her. I love that little child, Liana Mormont. She's amazing. Just look at her in this scene. On Bear Island, dragon rides you. She don't put up with shit. That little snarly face at the parlay, too. He's like a little Wolverine, that kid. I love her. I, I don't normally love children, but I love her. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. We obviously, after the banners go up in the post battle, some time has passed. Ramsey's locked up. I'm sure it was mentioned. I'm sure, uh, you know, it probably, somebody probably was going to feed the dogs or whatever. I'm sure it came up. I'm, I'm not too upset about it. Although she does say that she heard Ramsey say it. Right. So, or you said it. You, you said it. You yourself. said it yourself. That's true. Right. You said it yourself. I think is the line. Um. 
Let's uh, Andre not. Ramos Let's... has a great point in the chat is that Sansa was like, so what did they say about me when I left? Typical girl thing. Because <laughs> that's what I do every time I storm off from a scene with my ex-husband as he's about to go to war. That's it. So what did he say? Right. Yeah, I like it. That was dope, right? She's like, that was dope, right? Were they surprised? It was crazy, right? He was, he was pretty, <laughs> that was pretty tough when I rode away. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice my new dress is mandatory? <laughs> my hair was exquisite that day I threatened Ramsey. <laughs> Tell me you guys got a picture of that when I was riding away. Is it on Facebook Somebody yet? film it. Is it on Instagram? How many likes? Let me see what it looks like before you post it. Uh, all right. So, strategy sesh. Strategy sesh. So, uh, at the war camp, they discussed Ramsey. He'd be smart to wait us out. Um, John kind of starts immediately underestimating Ramsey, but Davos says, listen, he might not wait us out because he wants to maintain fear if he hides in the castle. That could damage his reputation with people like the Northerners, which might not be too keen on uh, this whole thing. Uh, so, they talk a little bit about that and how he needs to maintain fear. Obviously, Tormund is concerned with the cavalry. They uh, cut right through us like piss through snow, which makes sense because they're fucking armored knights on giant beasts, and they'll run your unarmored asses over. Uh, but no worries. We dug some drenches, trenches to prevent double envelopments, and, uh, then, we get, and then we get a fucking Tormund <laughs> with, with this deer in headlights can't get right look on his face like what's a double envelopment don't you make fun of Tormund because he had the best quotes this episode most of them had horrible words I can't use like cunt and twat but they were all amazing Mm. and that's when he's like well it's a a pincer move and then John has to literally pantomime the movement uh, pantomime the movement for him to understand what's being fucking said here but anyway Davos cautions patience and uh, this is where Davos says if they if they if he buckles the center, then we can surround him. They don't go. Mu- That's not what happens here. But oh, that is no. exactly what happens at the Battle of Cannae, which I know is inspiration for this, which was when Hannibal defeated, I believe, Lucius Aurelius. Not Hannibal Lecter. A different no, Hannibal. a different Hannibal. Okay, uh, the one that rode elephants. Yeah, and, and that was a, that was a a, a later battle when he got defeated by Scipio uh, Africanus. He gets defeated when they're riding elephants. Uh, they scared him with horns and shit. Oh, that makes sense. But um, yeah, that was Scipio Africanus was a, a good foil to Hannibal. But before we get that far into the history, the the point was is that these guys charge in from the front in the front, and at the Battle of Cannae, these guys when they got charged in the front, they they feigned retreat and they just started to w- retreat and, and fall back. And the Romans were like, all right, let's just keep pushing these guys forward like we always do. We always win this way. We got this. They didn't think about the strategy too much. They just drove in. And as these guys pulled out, they fucking started to surround them on the sides. And that's the, quote, double envelopment there. And that's how they got destroyed pretty handily at that battle. So um, I thought that that was cool that Davos said that. He's talking about buckling the center and then we can surround him. Which, up, which unfortunately doesn't happen. They get surrounded by the fucking Bolton phalanx of doom, which comes later in the episode. But let's get to the, the real important part of this, which is Sansa telling John that she wished he would have asked for insight. Do you want to talk to me about this? What, what do you, how do you feel about Sansa saying this here? What, what, what's going through your head? I, what, you know the, you know the, 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 team, the team John versus team Sansa stuff going on around. So tell me some of your no. thoughts on the information about all of this shit. 
the Knights of the Veil, how she feels. Well, let's start here. Let's start with how she feels slighted that she wasn't asked for insight. Start there. I'm fine with her feeling slighted that she wasn't asked for insight. You don't think that she is a woman of action and she could have just offered insight? But I feel like she did. I feel like she said to him multiple times, you don't have enough men, like we shouldn't go to war. And John didn't listen. Right. They went to war anyway. So that's why all this is stupid because they had this conversation in an episode ago or two episodes ago where Sansa said, you don't have enough soldiers. We only have 1,062 people because of those Bear Island 62. And John was like, oh, well, we're going to fight anyway. And Sansa's like, oh, whatever. All right. Well, that's here's a- your fucking cloak. I made you. That's <laughs> yeah. But where are my eggs? I said eggs this morning. You know, I like eggs before war. So Sansa ain't making no eggs. Eat up the old griddle. She's only making eggs for one person. His name is Lord Peter Baelish. <laughs> All right. So that's a high level view of it. But let's drill down a little further. Yeah. So one of John's problems is he says, we don't have men. I don't know what else to do. Where are we going to get the men from? And she starts to mention these houses. He's like, they're not going to come to our help. These houses are not going to help us. We need to fight now. So John is really rip-roaring, ready to go. Part of John's problem is now he thinks that Ramsey has Rick on. He's a little more hasty. Mm. So I know that people are pro-John when they say John has to commit. He's already out there. He has to go to battle. Yeah, he does. Maybe not that second, but... Now that he knows his brother is out there, it's going to be really hard for that not to be a driving force in John's decision to go forward with the battle and in attempts to save Rickon, which is playing right into Ramsay's hands, which is exactly what he does, which is exactly what Sansa warned him about, playing into his hands of this. How do we get, you know, what, what should we do? When he's asking her, well, then what should we do? She don't know. He says, when they're talking about this, his quote is, what should we do? How do we get Rick on back? Well, which question is it, right? This is an important thing that John says here. What should we do? How do we get Rick on back? How do we get Rick on back? She says, that's done. We'll never get Rick on back. Right. And she's right about that. But you got to think realistically. That's your fucking brother, right? Yeah. It's going to be hard to not go after him. It's going to take everything you have. Even Tormund was saying, don't go. Don't go. Because Tormund knows what's going on here. I love Tormund. He's my boyfriend, too. I have a lot of boyfriends in the show. I don't know. I'm going right. to have brother husbands soon. Wow. <laughs> you got to chill. Your, you got to slow your roll, girl. So I think this is the problem. Sansa wanted to be acknowledged for her experience that she is had. This some spiteful womanly shit? Yes. And the time oh, she had for <laughs> fuck's sake. Team John hashtag Dean. No, I think Sansa wants to be acknowledged for the time she spent with Ramsey and the fact that she had insider knowledge about who Ramsey is as a fucking human being. And also, when Sansa said, hey, we're never getting Rick on back, so just fucking pause your shit about that because it ain't happening. She's being realistic. Okay. So, could was it... And I'm, I'm going to ask these questions that I already think I know what you're going to say to them, but, but just follow along and play the game with me. Ugh. We're going to play a game. You just run to your brother. All right. You ready? Oh, Yana Stark in the chat wants to know about why she didn't tell John about Littlefinger. We'll get to that discussion. That's what I'm going to get to right now. Oh, oh, here we go. So here is part of the issue. When he says, when he's asking no more troops are going to come, could she have said, I sent a raven to Littlefinger three days yonder? <laughs> now- he has garrisoned at Moat Kalen with a regiment, a large force of knights. A lot. When that, dude, on a rewatch, a shitload of knights. Okay. He, and, and those knights come from a great fucking battle commander in Jan Royce, even though he wasn't there. But yeah, where was those, that fat slob? 
Those nights are no joke. So they, sh- so could she have said, if we wait a few days, is it possible, Johnny, that we wait a few, a few days, kick your feet up a little, right? Slip into Melisandre's tent, see what's going on for a couple of days. Could then possibly we see if these Knights of the Vale arrive? Now, that does two things. That assumes that Sansa knows they're coming. Which I don't think she does 100%. But actually, yeah, I do think she does because then she's just chilling with Littlefinger like yeah. he was her husband. <laughs> Which she's going to be in the next episode. And I'm going to be jealous. By riding six, uh, by, by riding uh, fucking 15 yards and uh, to the side of him. I don't know why Sansa gets four husbands, one of which that I like, and I get no husbands. Stay focused, <laughs> please. And your fucking husbands, for Christ's sake. Why? Well, do, you, do you see what I'm getting at here? Doesn't it, doesn't it not benefit John to think that... Doesn't the information help John? Yeah, and it helps Sansa, too. I don't know why she didn't say anything, because... I understand that we end with her saying, no one can protect me. No one can protect anyone. Sansa doesn't trust anybody. She only trusts herself and probably Brienne, wherever she may be. She doesn't trust Jon Snow? I don't think so. No, I don't. Do you? I don't know, man. I really, truly do not think she trusts him. And I think that we've been building since they have been reunited to a little bit of a a war brewing between them. Uh, Did you say the W word between these two? A W word? Oh, but you know what I mean. They're going to be at odds. And I I think we've been building to that since they've been reunited. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, it's... I've, I've, I've read the arguments. I've thought a lot about it. And I think to myself, every, everything I come up with, I answer with every, every reason I can think of, save a couple, I come up with a reason as to why she should still have told him. I agree. I agree that she should have told him. I right. don't think that in any sense, I don't think there's any sense in her not mentioning, hey, I asked Littlefinger for help. Don't know what he's going to say. Right. Now, let's... Let's go on the assumption she tells him about the Knights of the Vale. We're going to play a lot of fucking make ups We're going to do a lot of make ups tonight, right? He tells him, it's not going to stop John from wanting to get Rick on back ASAP. I think the moment that Sansa saw Ugh. that Rick on was going to be used as bait, that she made a decision in that moment that Rick on's dead. John's going to do something here. This is not going to go over well. And maybe she shot, thought, what difference is he? It's still, it comes back to why. Well, it's still, I, I can't justify her not telling him in, in a fucking war. I just can't justify her. I, every time I ask myself a battery of questions, it comes back to still me saying, why don't you tell him anyway? What, I agree. What difference does it make? It, he might set up his battle lines a little bit differently. The problem here is, is that John, John gets overwhelmed with emotion when he sees Rickon, who's really running poorly. And he charges forward. This causes Davos to have to countercharge to save John's life. Davos saves John's life because he was going to get run over like fucking grass. So what difference does it make? Does he does he go out there still? Does he say we'll see you in a fucking tomorrow? Does 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 the uh, is it too late? I mean, once once once. How about this? Let's think about this. And I'm thinking out loud a lot, guys. So please bear with me tonight. I'm doing a lot of fucking brainstorming on the fly. Once he says, I'm going to meet you tomorrow for battle, he, we see the battle lines formed, right? We see the battle lines of the Boltons formed. What's John going to do? Stand there? Is he going to retreat? He's got no place to fucking go, even if he knows the Knights of the Vale are there. But I still can't get out of my head that he's still going to plan a little differently if he knows reinforcements are coming. Agreed. Right? He's going to, he, he might not make that charge if he thinks the Knights of the Vale are on his heels. He might take that Rick on death on the chin 
He might stay back. We don't know. We don't know that John would have done the same exact thing had he known he had another, oh, I don't know. What, what's the number? A fucking thousand knights coming? Whatever it was. It was a lot. I, he might have held back and less people might have fucking been killed. I don't know. I don't know. Here's the good news, though, because while we're, while we're beating Sansa up a little bit, the good news is, is that surprise is your best element in fucking warfare. Most commanders are going to tell you surprise is a very good thing to have. These knights showing up after Ramsey fully committed, fully committed his forces to, 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 to this battle, these knights showed up at a very opportune moment. Agreed. So it was good for the Knights of the Vale. Is it possible that Peter said, under no circumstances, can you tell your brother that these people are coming? I mean- That still doesn't think- mean you shouldn't have told him. I know. But I, not, I, I, I know, do I agree I with the element of surprise. I think Ramsey going into battle when he knows he has the upper hand and can win is very different than how he goes into battle if he doesn't have the upper hand. Right, but that still comes back to, if John knew that information, it doesn't change the fact that he has a surprise element waiting. Right. Right. And that's, again, I keep coming back to being I, I unable to justify. I agree. I can, I can try to make excuses all day, but I agree that it was a problem. And look, I went on Facebook and I fucked around and I, and I tried to defend sense and I was really just trying to work it out in my head. And uh, I just can't get past it. I can't get past her not saying it. Um, I think that now there are some people in the, <laughs> there are some people who are, who are making it more nefarious. Like you really wanted to teach him a lesson. I mean, that's a harsh lesson to teach because a lot of people may have gotten killed for no fucking reason for her to teach John a lesson. I don't know if it's that nefarious. Uh, you know, it just could be stubborn shit. A lot of people are likening Sansa to, to, to Catelyn, which is, you know, something they've, they've done in the books for sure, just in appearance and mannerism. So I don't know. I don't know, but I, I can't. Bad call, Sansa. Bad call. Yeah, and there are people, um, Yana Stark says in the chat, and I agree with her, and this is kind of what I was trying to say, Sansa doesn't care about anybody. She doesn't care about Jon or the Wildlings or the fucking Mormont Island. Sansa cares about Sansa and what she wants and getting back what's hers. She's, you- she's, she's turning into somebody that has taken a little bit of something from these men that she's spent time with. Right. All of them, Joffrey, Ramsay, Littlefinger. And she's using that to her advantage. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, let's let's work through that. I, I think saying she doesn't care about them seems kind of harsh to me. But I think that Sansa has arrived. Ugh, I'm going to murder you. I think that Sansa has arrived in a place where she knows that she has to take care of herself. Because regardless of honorable men and righteous causes and brothers that will protect you and all this other bullshit you still get your father's head chopped off. You still get promised to a sociopath. You still get given to the enemy of your house in Tyrion. And then you still get pushed off by a man that you trusted to be raped by Ramsay fucking Snow and tortured and beaten. So I imagine that Sansa is pretty fucking down on the idea that somebody else is going to protect her and that they know best for her. So I, I get agree. it. I get her mentality here. Uh, I, you can't have lived the life she has lived. And, and the reality is, is she doesn't have martial ability. This is not a, she, she is not a warrior. She's not Yara Stark. She cannot physically take care of herself. So she really has to use her cunning and her wit to ensure that she makes the move she needs to make. I agree. And I'm not saying she's a sociopath and that she's the next Ramsey or Joffrey. What I'm saying is she has seen awful people do awful things and be manipulative and she has also learned 
through Littlefinger, through what she's seen, that manipulating other people and keeping things to yourself and putting yourself first is the only way you survive. There you go. I'm saying I'm not saying there's any reason that's not justifying her not telling John about the Knights of the Veil. Yeah. It's just a comment on Sansa as a person. How about this? I think that both of these people have points of view that I understand and both of these people made mistakes that I understand. And uh, I don't think either of them are, are lesser people or total morons for it, but um, it was, it was a bad decision by her. And um, I think her and John are going to fucking get past it. And uh, I'm, I'm sure we're going to learn a little bit more. It's possible. It's possible. She didn't even know they were coming until the end. I don't fucking know. All that shit is speculative. We're going to find out next week. I don't know, but she should have mentioned it to John. You, 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 he is desperate. He's looking at these maps. He's looking at the logistics of this battle. Winterfell, double the men, armored men. When we show these battle lines meeting and they pan across and John walks to the front and we got this cool shot of his, a, a close-up of the horse's hooves as it moves to the front of the line and we see John's army and go, cool, what an army. And we see one one. It looks like a fucking wilding band that's going to get scattered to the wind. I'm just being honest. Because when they, con- in, in contrast, when they show the Bolton army, they're lined up. They fucking got their quivers ready. They got their long bowmen in front. They got their lines set up. They got their, their shield men set up, their infantry. They got their infantry set up nice. Cavalry, everything looks sharp. I'm just thinking, dude, fucking Johnny's in trouble. Johnny Snow is in trouble here. He's got a, he's got a real fight coming to him. And uh, he's falling right into Ramsey's emotional traps that he's setting up for him. And... Uh, and that's that's my point on that is saying that John knows this is desperation. It's bad news. He it would have helped him confidence. It would have helped him in in, in countless ways to know that Knights of the Vale may be coming. And if John wants to get real fucking whiny and be like, I don't trust Peter Baelish. I don't trust Littlefinger. I have a man he, he, bun. I can assure you, John would have said all that shit about Peter Baelish. Maybe she could have just said, Hey, it's not Peter Baelish. Lord Aaron, Lord Robin Aaron, that sweet, sweet, teat-sucking 11-year-old is sending Knights of the Vale with Jan Royce to help us. Wait three fucking days, dude. He would have had to swallow that. And especially if she said it in front of Davos and Tormund and everybody else, right? So Mm -hmm. she's got to mention it. So I'm not only selling you guys at home, I'm selling myself that she has to mention it. I am now at a decision. Hashtag should have mentioned it. Okay? Mm -hmm. All right. I'm done with my fucking rant. Whoa. I like Davos and Tormund talking. I loved, uh, I love all of this stuff. I love Davos talking about how he loved Stan, uh, Stannis. Uh, he lifted me up. He made me something. Uh, they discuss demons and skulls. Tormund is hilarious because he's like, what do you mean demons? What are you talking about? Some invisible shit? Tormund is amazing. He's fucking amazing. I'm sorry. I love him. And him and Davos, the conversation they have is is wonderful because they're both talking about their king that they loved and that they would have done anything for and at the end they're like eh, maybe we should have believed in kings good thing john's not a king but but just their conversation how they're the things that they understand are so different the way they speak is so different it's freaking adorable yeah yeah it, you're right I, and I love the goat's milk oh you want some sour goat's milk it's better than that grape water all you twats right. drink or whatever he says <laughs> uh real quick in the chat vp9 he says, I think it's a he, his picture looks like a he, while he might not identify as a man. What a microaggression by me. I'm going to shame myself. I'm going to ban myself from Twitter. 
Just kidding. Go fuck yourself. Uh, no, VP9 makes a good point. Sansa subconsciously feels she's more stark than John, so it's okay for her to make unilateral decisions every now and then. Right. This could just be a simple matter of birthright in the way she thinks about it. Uh, I, I agree that there's a difference that she thinks she has more claim to things because I think she's she a stark. Thinks so too. 100%. I think we're going to see that problem manifest itself. I think up. I think so too, but I also think she should. <laughs> Again, we still think she should. It still life. comes oh, back to dude. Fucking, you gotta say something. Your b- brother is desperate, looking at a hopeless map, wondering how are we gonna do this. I have to fight. I'm fucking John Snow. Anyway, can you say I have a man bun in that voice? No, Ugh. can't do it. Anyways, happy shitting. The Onion Knight is gonna go poop. <laughs> so that's why they call him the Onion Knight. Ew. Um, so that's so. definitely not why. I already told you why. So happy shitting. John goes to see Melisandre. Melisandre. Ugh. And uh, he asks her why she wasn't at the war council. She says, that's not my purview. Why the fuck would I be doing that? Why would I do that? He says, if he does not, if he does not succeed, she says, don't lose. Basically, he says, if I do, do not bring me back. What do you think about this? Yeah. <laughs> do you have any thoughts or just noises? I just like that he's like, hey, if I fall, don't bring me back again. Like basically, you know, this is like on Buffy when Buffy dies and she's like, whoa, why did you have to bring me back to life? This is crazy talk. Let me help you out a little. Why do you think he says this? (laughs) Because he's like, this is ridiculous. I came back for this. If I'm going to die again, what the fuck is the point? Obviously, I can do no good. Mm -hmm. I did no good the first time. My men turned on me. I came back and I started a war and killed a bunch of my men. Just let me go. But you know what? None of it matters. Smell Sandra's like, well, got to fucking do it anyway. I don't care what you say. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that was pointless, John. You know what this scene does to me? What? It, it makes me grip this, my seat a little tighter when John almost dies a few times. I go, ooh, that taco Melisandre, I don't know, dude, he might suffocate. What the fuck? Yeah. There's a couple of moments. I was now, listen, nervous the whole episode, I was, too, I, but I never thought he was going to die. I was, I was nervous so for Tormund and Davos 100%. I was much less nervous for John, but it wasn't out of the realm of possibility. And maybe that's just because I got caught up in the emotion of it all. I wasn't even nervous about Davos. I was more nervous about John than Davos. Davos always seemed like he was like in a cool place and he had shit under control. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Tormund, I definitely thought he was going to die. And I was really upset that he was never going to reunite with Brienne. Another uh, another nod to the two towers in this episode when uh, Tormund gets wounded and his men pull him away like they did with Theoden. Remember? The king has wounded. They pulled him away from the door when they were the siege of uh, the, the Battle of the Hornburg there. Yeah, and at that moment, I thought a lot too, and now we're getting ahead of ourselves, but just about how Tormund has become the leader of the Wildlings. Oh, yeah. And I, I like that. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting how without fanfare, he's like stepped into that role. Just by leading from just the being front. being Tormund. Just being a B.A. Anyway. So Davos finds the pyre and the stag, of course, that he gave Shireen, that Shireen was gripping as she was led off to her execution place. I'm sorry. If this didn't sadden you, Oof. you have no soul because it was fucking sad. This, is a, this, is a, this brought me back. It makes me sad just talking about it right now. I'm going to be honest. Brings me back. The shot of him standing at the pyre with the red dawn. What a shot. It's beautiful. What a shot. Man, this has some serious ramifications going forward, doesn't it? Oh, big time. We see, uh, let's not mention that because some people don't watch the coming soon. No, but we still see him watching her fucking oh. holding that stock. Like, I can't wait to kill this bitch. With a look on his face that I've never seen. From Davos? Never. He's still so handsome. Well, there's a lot that could happen there. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that at the end if we remember. But let's, uh, let's, let's move on to the taunting phase of the Battle of Winterfell. 
So John rides uh, to the front of the line, somber faces. We've sort of set the stage of this already. Uh, Ramsey brings Rick on out on a rope, and uh, he pulls out this real shitty, like I bought it at iParty dagger, like Spencer Gifts dagger. It's terrible. I hate it. It looks so fake. And he cuts old, uh, old Rick and Chops loose and decides to play a game. We're going to play a game. You run to your brother, and I shoot a fuckload of arrows at you. I was always going to send the dogs after him. I did too. And I was like, don't run because they are more likely to chase you. Right. But it wasn't the dogs. It wasn't the dogs. They'll come in later. It was the arrows. So Ramsey walks to the front of the line with Rick on and uh, he starts running after he turns him loose. And uh, the rules are simple. Just run. There's a great scene here where they where we see a shot on Ramsey and the shot holds on him and he says the rules are simple. Just run. And then a guy steps into the frame behind Ramsey and hands him a bow. And I was like, oh, shit. This is not going to end well. And already we start the talk of the zigzag. Already. We're like, you got to be smart with your running, Back kid. and forth, young sir. So we already discussed why he can't do that, though. Too old. Bad knees. And bad hips. And bad hips. He's definitely had at least one hip replacement. Yeah. And uh, at least one shower fall and one... I still shuffled my driveway too late into life, slip and fall in the winter. So Whoa. he's pretty banged up. Anyway, tension mounts as Rick on runs and John rides. And uh, Rick on runs and John rides. This is some deep shooting. I've already discussed it. Anyway, I love the two of them running at each other. There's a, a real tense moment where an arrow comes up. It lands next to Rick on. And for a split second, you think he's going to get a, a getaway. Yep, it was perfect. Beautifully filmed. Be- beautifully filmed. And then plow, an arrow hits him in the back, and uh, it's a killing blow for certain. And, uh, well, Rickon dies, and John falls into the trap. John charges, and uh, we get that shot, as I mentioned, of Tormund saying, don't, but he does. I just want to say something about the death of Rickon. Okay. Do you want to talk about his accomplishments in life? Yeah. One time he hung out with a wildling who Ramsey also killed, and he <laughs> knew Hodor. And his direwolf is dead, so whatever. Anyways, Rickon Stark, aged 37 to 47, we're uncertain. This is the thing about this scene. It's it's shot so well. Sansa's like, hey, we can't get Rickon back. John's like, yes, we can. We get this scene where you really think they're so close. We see the arrow just miss, and they're, they're right there. And the way they shoot the arrow that misses as opposed to the arrow that gets them, it's so much less climactic. Yes. it's It's so smartly done. But this, to me... I believe when we were watching this episode, I yelled something at the TV along the lines of, this is the George R. R. Martin I know. Yes. Because yeah. that's how I felt. Right, because for a split second, we thought, is Rickon going to live? And then the arrow hits him, and you did say emphatically, I think you said, this is the George R. R. Martin that I know and love. I think that is what I said. Yeah, which means you are on board with the Rickon slaying. No, I just... No, you appreciate the writing. I right. I feel like we've gotten a little cutesy with our people not dying. Yeah. A lot of people said they just assumed Rickon was dead. Most people just thought he's going to survive. That he was going to survive. Uh, uh, that he was going to die. Yeah, of course. But for a split second, you think he's getting away when the arrow misses him and John's right there. Right. Everybody thought he was going to die. But for a second, I thought that it wasn't going to happen. That to me was, you have to kill him in that moment. And it has to be dramatic like it is. That's how George R. R. Martin does his shit. Right. We've had too many people we love live, honestly. Right. It's about time to start killing some Starks, killing some people we love, killing some people we hate. It's about time to start killing some people. Right. Okay. I don't want fucking one, one, the giant to die. I don't want Tormund to die. 
I don't want any of these people that I love to die, but they've got to do it because that's what the show is. And if people don't die, then the show is just the walking dead. That's right. I agree. I will never be the walking dead. Who am I kidding? So this is, we, we, we decided that we were going to, we, we kind of, we, we admittedly talked about Sansa. We sort of beat her up a little bit, but we also said that we understand her point of view a little bit. Think about her path. It's been pretty rough. Um, she's tired of relying on waiting around to not be murdered and raped. In other words, you don't want to sit there in camp like Melisandre and just be like, well, hope we win, because if not, I'm fucked. She wants to take action in her own self-defense, and I get that. Still should have mentioned the knights, okay? <laughs> if yeah. I haven't made that clear. Now, here's where John fucks up. John, you tried to rescue Rickon, which I really appreciate. Anybody would have done that for their brother. Anybody. I don't know if many guys would charge at a army after their brother's already dead because you know you're not going to get anywhere near the man that's responsible. You're just going to be clashing swords with a bunch of guys who are there for the same reason your guys are there because they belong to some fucking lord who wants them to fight, right? Him charging, it's easy for me to say, oh, he's, he's a moron for charging. It's easy for me to say, I get it. It's not like I had to watch my brother get an arrow through the back and then cope with that emotional onslaught. However, he's charging an army. Mm-hmm. I'd like to believe if I was in that situation, and this is me being an armchair quarterback, that after I pooped my pants when I saw the Bolton army and changed into different pants, that if my brother got killed, I would be devastated. I'd probably fall to my knees and cry and wail. But I don't see saying, now I'm going to go die. I'm going to charge Ramsey and die. This is a terrible move by John. I think his emotions just got the best of him of and that's what happened. Yes. But maybe after, he has a little bit of a death wish. I don't know. Yeah, but maybe after sprinting for 20 seconds, you're going to be like, fuck, I'm tired. Fuck, I'm tired. I'm going to turn around and go back. <laughs> right? Like, it's not like he was right there and he stabbed him. He has to charge across a field for a while on cry adrenaline. You know, he's cry charging. This is John. He's got a lot of cry charge built up. <laughs> Let's be honest. He's cry charging. Come on, dude. Go he back. What are you like doing? He is like every boy in high school that shopped at Hot Topic. It's 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 uh, it's an emo- he, he he lets his emotions get the better of him. When he charges, he has to know that he's committing his men to battle in that second because they're not going to let him die. Or he doesn't even think about it. He goes, "My brother, fuck!" and he just runs. Nope, I don't even think he was thinking. He wasn't he was thinking. Surprised. That's my point. He yeah. went fuck, and he just decided to start charging. But man, get a fucking grip, dude! You're running the army. You can't be this emotional as a, as a battle commander. That's why Sansa's smarter than him. Yeah, just but she's not as good just as kidding. A, she's not a fucking battle commander. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there. Let's let's stop with I'm the just fucking, kidding. God. Let's put away the fucking chick pom poms. I wish Liana Mormont thing. was running this battle because she was uh, good shit. Well, let's put the chick pom poms back in the old chest of drawers and uh, stop with the big ideas. Okay, who's the boss? thought of him with the whole army coming at him and it's just him is beautiful Amazing. and then when you see the horses come around him and all of a sudden it's just fucking chaos was just incredible the way it makes you feel right yeah yeah and Yana's saying we're being too harsh his brother died in front of his eyes he did but what are you gonna do you know you what where does that anger go how about you kill like one bro and then you die just scream and shout and, and pound the fucking ground and go back and lead your army don't go commit suicide that's fucking crazy talk. I'm Maybe not John saying Snow it, didn't want to live anymore. Okay. Here's my point. I just want to say this. It's not bad writing and it's not unprecedented for a man to charge the murderers of his brother. I'm not saying it's unrealistic, 
But dude, get a fucking grip. Get a grip, baby. You I can't. Mean, you if, can't win wars that way. If, if you, I was murdered in battle, isn't that what you'd do? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the lines were far huh? away. I don't know. I think a lot of people. A lot of people in the chat. They're they're being cute. They're like, I would charge. I don't know, man. You when when somebody dies that you love and care about, I don't know if you're gonna go die. I, I don't, probably would. I don't know, man. It takes a lot of guts to charge an army, oh, knowing I would that never. you will die. I don't know, man. I think a lot of people would scream in frustration and cry and pound the fucking dirt before be they would charge a fucking army. army by themselves on foot. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a tough one. <sighs> Fuck. Next time your brother is killed in a battle <laughs> by arrows when you're about to get him back after he's been held hostage, you tell me what you do, okay? Yeah. Next time you're in that circumstance. Anyway, so John charges. I'll just be hanging out with Peter Baelish. I'm good. Ramsey snaps his trap shut and um, that's it. Ramsey starts to launch arrow volleys. Team Stark charges at the behest of Davos. We get a great track, tracking shot on the war horses. This was very boner inspiring. Oh my God, it was beautiful. Wicked boner inspiring. Ramsey continues to loose arrows. Horses are going down. Ramsey sends in his cavalry charge and uh, things get hectic. Things get hectic. I love the shot of the Bolton Cavalry bearing down on John. Of course, epic. Boom, the cavalries collide. And then Ramsey so decides to just keep shooting arrows. Done carry kills. This is the old Edward II, Edward the Longshanks move from Braveheart. Sir, are you sure you want to loose arrows? We'll, he'll, we'll, hit, we'll hit our own men. Well, we'll hit theirs too, I believe is the quote. Not caring. He just wanted to be done with the war and be over with it. So Ramsey launches arrows, hitting his own men while hitting John's men. Honestly, probably hit more of his own men since he outnumbered John. Just sheer yeah. math. Oh, 100%. Speaking, right? And this is the moment where I have what I like to call chaos cam. Mm-hmm. Chaos cam, right? Right. It is insanity, dude. The fucking chaos of battle following John around the, the the limbs flying and the screaming and the crying and the bashing and the cutting and the it's Randomness of all of oh, it. Oh, it's great. The random chaos of battle. Like, how do you even know who's on your team? It's fucking incredible. It's great. I love it. He, in, in, there is something here that made me go, damn, Ramsey's kind of being a gangster right now. Ramsey? When he was just kept relentlessly saying loose, loose, or whatever the fuck you're saying, again, or fire, whatever he's fucking saying. You're he, saying loose. You're too high on Ramsey. For oh, it was Ugh. fucking, the relentlessness of him was uh, just something to behold. Piles of bodies. Yep, piles of dead people. I wrote murder that. Murder everywhere. Davos enters the fray with a small amount of men in reserve. Yeah, we might as well be taking shits back here, he says. Might as well be. And then Umber does his speech, which is pretty badass. Who owns the North? We do. We do. Right here. <laughs> uh, for Fucking a minute. Team Stark, bitches. For a minute, the the old Umbers own that shit. And uh, yeah. This shit with the shields and the spears is fucking crazy. <sighs> the phalanx. Yeah, it's sick. Tormund saves John. Heart, heart, heart. That's he sure does, note. doesn't he? Well, you're kind of jumping way ahead here, right? Oh, Oh, you're talking about the first time around. My notes say... His men surround John's men with shields and spears. They are fucked. And then I wrote, Tormund saves John Hart. This is incredible. This, there's something about this shield wall enveloping John. And they got the shields in front. 
They got another guy, another line of guys behind them with spears and another line of shieldmen behind them. You're just not going to break this formation. The old Roman Testudo, I think it's called. Although one one was super useful when he just smashed men and picked them up and threw them. That was pretty wild. I wish there were uh, two you know giants, what? but the Night's Watch killed the other one. I'm going to throw it out there. Go ahead, throw it, throw it right out there. I needed more from one one. I need more in the- He in the- lost his giant brother in a battle just two seasons ago. Yeah, I needed more. The as, Night's Watch killed him. But as we've determined, I don't care about my brother because I wouldn't charge to my suicide. That's true. So, listen. <laughs> uh, no, he needed to do more. He was just smacking Spears away. Dude, get in. Remember when he stomped that white? Get in there and just start stomping. Just start kicking. Stop with the hands. Step on people. Kick things. Do you know what I do if I'm fighting a bunch of five-year-olds with spears. And you're a giant. Yes, I start continue. kicking. Just start booting them across the screen. Just step on them. Step and kick, dude. Stop swatting. This is the problem when you have a can't get right at a fight because let's be real, he can't <gasps> get right. You stop that. He was dropped on his giant head so many times. Look at his nose. He can't think. He doesn't... He, you're a horrible person. <laughs> I needed more from 1-1. Get a fucking tree branch, kid. Something. You need a weapon. Do not speak ill of the dead. I need more out of 1-1. One, one. He, he could have done so much damage to them, Bolton. Fucks. I'm sorry. Didn't he do enough? At the they end. They won the battle. Yeah. He, and 1-1 one, yeah. one died at Ramsey Bolton's disgusting little hand. He murdered He murdered the gate at Winterfell really well. He really murdered that gate. He got that from his brother who murdered the gate at um, the wall. He kicked. He punted a horse. Why isn't he not stomping Bolton? Who punted a horse? He did. That's rude. Those horses did nothing wrong. I was worried about them. I hope no horses were harmed in the filming. Nails on a blackboard. (laughs) Let's talk about that for 20 minutes. Wow, no one's in chat anymore. (laughs) We have more listeners than we've ever had in our lives, okay? Because they horse lives matter too. Okay, I'm sure they do. (laughs) But I needed more out of him. I needed him to do more. Uh, in this moment, he did plenty at the end. I just wanted him to. to I feel like, uh, like, to fucking do something. Get mad, bitch. Kick people. He ripped a guy in half. Wow, we. A giant killed a guy. Fucking kick him. No one cries. Everybody thinks the mountain is so menacing, and all he did was rip a guy in half one time. The mountain? Yeah, the mountain. The Franken mountain. One time he ripped a bro in half, and we're all so scared. He, one one rips bros in half and, and picks up and throws them, and nobody cares. It's not enough. That is a terrible not argument. Enough. <laughs> I can't even begin to to get into your logical fallacies. But I will say this. I just need a little more. Okay. So the battle rages on. Things start to get tight. The Bolton shield wall starts to uh, close in on them. And I just think of Han Solo saying, one thing's for sure. We're all going to be a lot thinner. <gasps> yes. Right. Oh my God. It's so funny that you say that because I did not mention this either time we were watching the episode. But both times I was like, what does this horrific situation remind me of? other than terrifying claustrophobia. And I was like, oh, the trash compactor in Star Wars. There you go. Here's what I love about this. I love this inevitable slaughter as it just starts to close in on you. We saw a, a bunch of different facets of this battle. We saw the, the pre-battle jitters. We saw the charging, the chaos. Now we see this inevitability, inevitability, right? That's what I'm trying to say. As the shield wall just closes in like a machine. And it's such a great contrast to the wilding style of fighting. This Bolton Roman sort of, we're just going to close, we're going to close in and the lights are going to go out and that's a fucking wrap and we're done with these 
rebels that won't bend the knee to the rightful Boltons who run Winterfell. And um, that's it. And one thing, Tormund says, fuck this, come on. And they just take off. They're like, we're out of here. We'll climb that goddamn pile of bodies. Yeah, why the fuck not? But then other bros start coming over and murdering right. them, so that sucks. Yeah, the Umbermen start to come around. The Wildlings seem to start retreating because that's when John gets trampled. We're going home, I think is said. Is Tormund the one who said? Somebody says we're going home. Like we're Tormund would never. Relax. You blasphemy. Get out. I went after one one. I'm going after your other boyfriend. One one's on my boyfriend, but Tormund is on the list. If I have five Game of Thrones boyfriends, Tormund is definitely one of them. Anyway, somebody says we're going home. So they start to break and then um, John gets trampled. This is incredible. I love this claustrophobic, the light disappearing under the weight of bodies. Q said music. Is this it? Question mark. John is struggling. John can't breathe. He's being compressed. This is incredible. It's great. But what do we hear? Oh, and it should be mentioned that Tormund gets his face bashed in by Umber because he's huge. Oh, yeah, that doesn't happen. No, right before nope, the nope. horn sound. Absolutely. Right after the horn sounds. Oh, no, no, no. That's when he kills them. Okay, all right, stop yelling at me. Wow. Jesus, you're sensitive. You call that I yelling? I still want to talk about the claustrophobic being um, stepped on part. Go for it. I just want to mention it's the fucking coolest thing I've ever seen on television. It, it, it is so brilliantly filmed. Because it's different. In a way to make you, while you're watching, feel like you cannot breathe. And feel, And I'm somebody who's super claustrophobic. And watching this made me physically uncomfortable. And if you can do that via a medium like this, I mean, yes. that's amazing. Yes. What they did in this, this shot of John being trampled, which is terrifying because people actually fucking die of being trampled like on Black Friday all the fucking time. Yeah. Fucking look at the, look at the, um, or that fucking um, fire that one time where a bunch of people died because they all trampled each other, you know, around I'm here. I'm trying to think of what it was called. Um, it was in, it was, um, soccer or football, you fuckers. Uh, trampling. Uh, what the fuck was the name of that incident? I don't remember. I thought it begins with an H or something. An H is ringing my mind. But anyway, yeah, that like just the, the soccer fans being trampled. Right, but there was there was that that nightclub in in Massachusetts or Rhode Island, Rhode Island. years ago where the there, there was a small yes the station there was a was small called. fire that got started and people fucking panicked and were just trampling each yeah, other and killing sucks. each other because yeah station nightclub fire thank you yeah thank you that's exactly what i was, exactly what was, I was fucking, trying to think of it was fucking horrible um and that's pretty close to us if i remember correctly where that happened but that shit is scary and that happens can you imagine fucking dying like that oh my god i was worried for john at this point i was actually really worried yep and i i knew in my mind that john couldn't die but they did such a good job that i was still worried 1995, the Heisel Stadium disaster. That that was one of them. Um, that that, that might have been the one I was thinking. There, there's there's been a there's been a few uh, things like this where where people die in fucking masses. You know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, fucking 90 people. It's crazy. It's nuts, and it's realistic. And when you're making a battle scene, you have to the thing you the thing you do is you go, all right. I know how I want this battle to be. We're gonna have this big battle. John's going to win in the end. It's going to be great. Ramsey's going to lose and that's it. Great. How do you make it interesting? How do you make the battle interesting? Okay. We do this really cool Roman shield. Well, cool. That's one thing. Put that on the whiteboard. What else are we going to do? What if we do this crazy thing where he's getting trampled and great, but you want them to kind of be different. Think about this battle almost as its own story. It has a beginning, a middle and an end mm -hmm. and there are fucking plot points in it. 
And that's what's so awesome about this battle. They have to build tension in these different ways versus the obviously, which is just who's going to win, who's going to lose. And they present these threats to John, these physical threats to John that are unique at every turn. The first is he charges off to save his brother Rickon. The second is is the, the chaos in the battle, the chaos cam. The next thing you have is the, is the arrows being shot into friend and foe by Ramsey's relentless arrow loosing. Then you have the shield wall closing in on them. Then you have this issue where he's being trampled and he's underneath and he doesn't know what he's going to do. Then you have, and then you finally get a reprieve when the Knights of the Veil vale show up. It's, it's awesome. The spectacle of this battle is incredible. And that's what's so great about it. It's unseen. We've never seen this in Game of Thrones before. And you know what? I think that it's okay that we have this House Stark that's toiled for six seasons get this comeuppance, and I think it's okay that we ousted a character who was unquestionably evil, a man whose motivations that we don't have a point of view on, that we don't care about. It's okay. We've waited, like you said to me before we started recording, you said, we've waited six seasons for for this kind of moment. John Marginson made a joke saying they should have called the episode Catharsis. It, it's it's right? true. Sometimes you need the good guys to win. Right. And, and listen, we've seen plenty of good guys die. At least people we care about die. We've seen more good people. We've seen more people we care about die than people we don't like. Let's be honest. It's rare for us to see this situation and it was cool. And that's, that's why I think it was a worthy payoff in the end. But when those horns sound, it changes everything. Suddenly, Tormund beats Umber's ass. First, he bites his ear off. I just want to throw that oh, out was there. Was it ear or his neck? Oh, I don't know. He looked like he went neck. Why did I write he bit his ear off? Oh, I think just because the first time we watched it, somebody made a joke about Mike Tyson. Uh, maybe. I think that happened. But then he looks like he kills him with some kind of antler. Yeah, it looks like an antler, like the thing that dogs chew on sometimes, which, right. by the way, aren't good for your dogs. So don't give it to him. Blasts him in the neck or just stabs him out. Got a it's nose. Beautiful. Got a nose that's been smashed to hell because John Umber rains some blows down on him. The Knights of the Veil vale show up in numbers that I did not anticipate. I, I was thinking, all right, they're going to send 100 knights. Oh, no, no. There's a shitload of knights. Littlefinger needs to protect his woman. Um, I wrote it in all caps Knights of the Veil vale are here, bitches. And yes. then I wrote, hello, boyfriend. And they wedge charge the pants right off of these Bolton boys. Hey, your shield wall sucks when it gets hit in the back. You're screwed. They didn't have time to react the way he came up over that outcropping. I guess it was a perfect surprise. They could bear down on him with the cavalry in a full charge before the Bolton men were, were hip to what was happening, and they just get fucking steamrolled. Steamrolled, encircled, and summarily destroyed. Boy, that was beautiful. Ramsey, when he saw those knights, oh my God, he was shitting his pants. It was beautiful. Right. And I like this. So John gets a little help here. Yeah, he can't do it on his own. Can't do it on his own. Sansa made this happen. She sent this raven. This wasn't a random deus ex machina where something just showed oh, up. Oh, hello, surprise. It was It was set up from the beginning. John got a little help, but they don't steal all the glory. Those the, John does some, does some work here. He, does, he has some success. They do pretty well. And then they move on Winterfell with one one still alive. Because as soon as these knights show up, Ramsay thinks... I'm going to retreat. Bye. They can't siege us. They have zero siege weapons. Not thinking about 1-1. One, one. And uh, we're just going to wait them out. Yeah, I'm sorry. This one human here, right here, he is actually a siege weapon. We he, win. He is a siege weapon, which is a great way to say it. But it's true. Again, we we saw this. We we already know how giants, because we saw Watchers on the Wall when 1-1's one, bro was trying to break in and like killed like 
you know, a bunch of good men, right. yeah. including that guy that I loved. And it made me cry when they started doing their freaking vows and the giant was coming to murder them. And now the giant's fighting on their side. What a world we live in. Yeah, what a world, huh? Friends become enemies, enemies anyway, become friends. Giants are good at breaking down doors, is what I was trying to say. And he does. He punches down that soft, stark wall. He had a much harder time breaking through the Castle of Black stuff because it's designed to repel them. Obviously, very true. Obviously, the Stark Castle wall isn't designed to repel giants. Nope. So one one lands in the courtyard, drops to his knees. He screams. He falls. He's on his way out. The Stark forces arrive. Some arrow fire is exchanged. And then we get a moment with one one. Now, here's another criticism of the episode that I'm going to work through. One one's dying, gets an arrow in the eye. John's sitting right next to him. Why does Ramsey not shoot John? Here's I don't my, know. Here's my answer. For fun? Because he's fucking a cocky motherfucker? I think because he thinks that possibly, because he, he, right after that, he says, is the one-on-one offer still stand? Maybe he's hoping there's a chance. I, I don't know. Because John doesn't have, he's not paying attention. He's looking at 1-1 one, one, the arrow hits 1-1 one, one in the eye. Could have easily hit John in the chest, right? Is it because you think Ramsey was like, all right, I'm going to kill this giant as a final fuck you. And then I'm going to challenge John to this combat he wants to have with me so bad because I did murder his brother and rape his sister. And my father murdered his brother and his wife and their unborn baby and his mother and, and Stark, yeah. his dogs and all his friends. <gasps> So we know there's hatred here. So is this a good play by Ramsey to taunt him? I mean, it doesn't go well. I mean, the best explanation of this was made in the chat by Michael Stewart. Ramsey doesn't shoot John because TV, which is basically the only real answer. You think so? He doesn't shoot John because it's a television show and he can't just shoot John there. But that's sloppy because everyone, uh, there are a million podcasts about Game of Thrones. There's people who start Reddit threads that are fucking 900 pages long. You don't think these guys thought this when they were making it? Like, And I'm sure they did to an extent. And they were just like, we want Rams to have this killing blow on one one as a fuck you to John. But at the end of the day, IRL, even Ramsey, the most cocky motherfucker in the world. Right. Would it kill John right there? Yeah, I guess. I guess if I'm Ramsey, I shoot John because I think this fight is lost. If I'm Ramsey, I shoot John here too. Absolutely. And, and Ramsey does, you know, hold on, let me find my, you suggested one-on-one combat, didn't you? I've reconsidered. I think that sounds like a wonderful idea. This right. is because Ramsey no longer has men. He's surrounded by John's men about to shoot him. So he's like, let's do one-on-one combat. This is the best I got. And by one-on-one combat, I mean, I'm going to shoot arrows at you. Mm-hmm. I win. Right. But he doesn't win. No, it does. it's not even a fight. I was a little disappointed that it wasn't, but not really. No. I a was long okay drawn with out this. fight would have been a little too much, right? I think we're at the point where this was our long drawn out fight. Yeah, and we're at the end of it. Ramsey right. tried to get his last, you know, he's a good archer. John was quicker with his shield. And I know there's a lot of people on the internet who complained like, oh, John's so lucky he didn't get shot by any arrows. Yeah, maybe he was just quick with his little Mormont bear shield, okay? Yeah, there's a lot of complaints about that. And it's, and you know, there's a lot of people talking about prophecy and he never, he didn't even get wounded. He didn't even suffer a, a wound. There's some people who talk about he didn't even and suffer And I think a there's wound. something to that. Right? Because you could compare him to anybody who survived. So here's the thing when you start talking about, he didn't get hit with one single arrow. Neither did any of the survivors. Yeah, sure. Right? It's not like one man didn't get hit by arrows. Every guy who lived didn't get hit by arrows. That's the fucking point. Actually, didn't John get hit by one arrow or am I wrong? He did not. Okay. 
His brother got hit by one. I saw that. His brother got hit by like 20 too, but he was already dead at that yeah, point. Yeah, that was fucking brutal. You know what? And I do think there's something to that. And I think that that's worth mentioning is perhaps, you know, John was brought back from the dead and perhaps there's something about that circumstance. Just because we know about Beric Dondarrion and his circumstance doesn't mean John's is the same. Right. And perhaps there is something about John that makes him harder to kill that makes him luckier in battle. Those things are all possibilities and worth thinking about. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you want to cry and be like, John never got hit by an arrow. It's not fair. Then I think you should say, well, he was brought back from the dead and there's a divine power looking out for him. And that's why like you can give that reason. Right. I, I think that that I don't necessarily hundred percent think that that's the case, but I certainly think it's a possibility and it's something that's certainly worth thinking about. Right. That's all. That, that's something to think about. And then just the sheer idea that every survivor of that battle was spared an arrow. So are they all as lucky as John too? John's only <laughs> lucky because he's our main character and we pay attention to him. Exactly. Fucking Jimmy Blow, who's uh, normally a carpenter who got called up when the bad banners got rallied. He didn't get hit by an arrow either. Davos so didn't even have mud on his face. What about Davos? Yeah. He wasn't even muddy. Yeah, he came in a little John late. looked like a hot mess. Davos still looked like a perfectly handsome gentleman. <laughs> wow. Is he the same age as Rickon? <laughs> Tell the truth. <laughs> is that is Rickon or Davos' brother? All right. No more Rickon jokes. All right, people. He's, he's dead. Let's just let him be. I feel bad for him. Because he's dead or because you've made fun of him and called him old so many times? Yeah, because now uh, now I'm feeling real insecure. People don't think that I would be upset that my brother would die because I wouldn't charge off into... I, I, at least your brother's not in this live chat, but what's going to happen when he listens to this podcast at a later date? He's going to be like, fuck you, Dean. No, he won't. <laughs> he's know. like, I wouldn't run into battle for you either. He's like, I cool, bro. He's like, hey, Dean, wouldn't even be sad if you died. <laughs> in fact, might shoot the arrows myself. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, uh, my next briefing of notes says... Oh, let's let's not talk about the ground and pound. John does the old forearm, or forearm. John does the old shield bash, drops Ramsey, who doesn't fight well. Ramsey fought well against the Greyjoys when they tried to break out Reek, but not this time around. He got bat. He gets bashed down by a shield. Johnny Boy gets the old uh, ground and pound, smashes his face into oblivion. Nice good wounds here. I like that it was not just a cut on his lip. Yeah, we don't like TV beat ups. We like Fight Club beat ups. Then he sees Sansa, Sansa. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to kill him. He's all yours. Pause. Not like I don't care about burying this man in front of you. More like, you want to kill him? Yeah, he's all yours. Can I do a behind the scenes thing? Please do. So I read some interviews with the actor who plays Ramsey, who, by the way, is fucking incredible. Like, he's a great actor. And I would like to point that out. Who? His name is Ewan something fucking I can't pronounce. I don't know. Can you Google it and tell me how you would pronounce it? Thanks. Anyways, the actor who plays Ramsey Bolton is fucking awesome because Ramsey is so evil, but you still watch him on TV fascinated by how evil and disgusting he is. He just does such a good job playing such an evil character in a way where he's so joyful. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. He's a great actor. He's amazing. He will be missed. He certainly will. Um, I know Joffrey was evil too. And I think the kid who played yeah, Joffrey a did a great job too. I think the kid who played him was a great actor, but man, the, this guy will certainly be missed on the show. He was he was phenomenal. He was just fucking evil and he did such a good job. Um, so I read some interviews with him after the show. He was so funny. He talked about how he was so evil all the time and <laughs> how it was hard for him to, to play such an evil guy. And he said that after they shot the scene, 
it was like an all day affair. They awesome. did. They shot for hours and hours and hours. And Kit Harrington punched him a few times accidentally. I saw but he said he liked footage, that. Yeah. He liked that because you know that man. He was really getting into it. It was going to look realistic. So he said afterwards, him and Kit went out and played pool. That they always play pool. They're actually friends. These two actors and they hang out off set all the time, even though they've never really been together on set. Right. And that typically he always beats Kit. And the day after they filmed this scene, they went out and they played pool and Kit beat him every time. Like almost like the confidence of like the fucking beating him up, like got to <laughs> That's him. Awesome. And he was like, Oh yeah, I win. Like I, I, I can beat you at pool. Awesome. And I thought that was such a good little story. Like it was just adorable. I just picture the two of them out at a bar somewhere playing pool, freaking Ramsey and Jon Snow. And Jon Snow's like, I win this time. That's awesome. I fucking win. Good story. I like it. I don't know how you say Ewan Rion. He's, he's Welsh. And he's adorable. I, I know yeah, like when yeah. he's being a douchebag and raping Sansa and killing people with dogs and stuff, we don't like him, but he's super cute. I've seen that bare ass in the moonlight. So I, I think know? he does musicals and stuff. I think he can sing. And I think you've mentioned that before, which automatically makes me like him like times 10. But it's time we say goodbye to him, isn't it? Good night, sweet, sweet prince. Well, first, can we talk about the Stark banners raising at Winterfell before we talk about the death of Ramsay? Because we had to close out on that shit. Go for it. Which definitely transitions to time pass. Obviously. The Stark banners are raised at Winterfell. We all cheer because we, as viewers, are all Starks at heart, aren't we? Deep down. I don't know, but that was awesome to see. It was beautiful. We've waited a long time for this. We've waited a long time for something to mm-hmm. come of it. And uh, everybody thought the Starks were cool. And then some of you turncoats fled you fled because it was just like oh there's nobody left it's this guy and this guy and Calvin's dead after the red wedding you know everybody was fucking team Lannister. i like jamie he's so sweet yeah. when he's with brienne he's gonna leave cersei for her he's just gonna leave cersei no cue up episode of me talking about how awesome time with lannister is and uh but yeah the starks have been waiting a long time to uh right the wrongs that their house has felt and it is uh it's been done it's been a long time coming, and it feels good. Okay, even if it doesn't lack the uh, fucking subtlety layers of the multiple fucking I just suck my dicks. Don't know who's gonna um, rule. Like, because who's the rightful heir? Is it Sansa? Is it John? Does John become legitimate and rule? Nope. Does Sansa rule? Yes. Is there awkwardness? No, she becomes the wardness of the North, and then she is gonna take a husband. Just like it named Peter Bailey. I don't know. I guess we're gonna find out. A hundred percent, they're getting married. Oh. Oh, we'll talk about this when we get to the death of Ramsay. Which is right now. We know what we're going to talk about. Good night, sweet prince. Sansa. Hello, Sansa. Is this where I'll be staying now? No. Our time together is about to come to an end. That's all right. You can't kill me. I'm part of you now. That's it. You speculate on that? Yeah. Sansa's fucking pregnant. Hello? Have they not made it so obvious that Sansa's pregnant? Because she's fucking pregnant. Sansa is pregnant. She has Ramsey's baby in her belly. A hundred percent. Okay. Okay. She then tells him, your words will disappear. Your house will disappear. Your name will disappear. All memory of you will disappear. Because I'm going to marry another bro named Peter Baelish and pretend it's his baby. Do you think that she's going to get all coat hanger abortion here? I mean, what do you think? I don't know if people did coat hanger really abortions really, back then. I think that was like the 30s in America when that was really, really big. Is, is this one hundred percent what you believe? I 100% believe Sansa's pregnant. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I thought about it. I wasn't sure. If there was a pregnancy pool, Sansa would be my first pick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Well, 
We hear the doggies growl, and of course, a sweet, sweet, poetic justice here. Bruce Bolton told him this shit was going to happen. Mm-hmm. He told him. One of the men said that you said something about not feeding them in seven days that I heard about because I rode away from that parlay. Leanna Momot told me when we were chilling. Anyway, um, they are starving now. Boy, this is a uh, quite the go out, huh? I, I kept asking you if these are dough. They're not Argentinos. Dough. I don't they're, think so. I think they're King Corsos, Corsos. Yeah. or maybe um, like um, well, yeah, Presa yeah. Carnarios. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. They are fucking huge and badass. Presa Carnario, and I like them. Yeah, if you Google um, a Presa Carnario, P R E S A C A N A R I O, or a Cane Corso. You could probably just how you would DVR assume. what kind of dogs are used. And, no, uh, you can't because I tried to Google it to see if I could actually get a breed and you can't. So I'm doing this based off my brain. They look like cane corsos to me. Yeah. Did you did you look at the press of canarios too? Nope. Because, I think they look more like cane corsos personally, but. Yeah, I think so. Cool looking dog for sure. Uh, that bites his fucking face apart. First, it looks like it's going to give him a nice little kiss. It does. It's it's like, says, mm, delicious blood. I will eat you. Why did you starve me, master? Yum, 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 uh, He gets chewed up and Sansa walks away with a fuck you smirk. And uh, she ain't no little girl anymore. Ain't no helpless little girl anymore, is she? Can I make a comment on the dogs? <laughs> it's a podcast. You can make a comment on whatever you want. What are you, Sansa Stark? You're going to offer advice in the middle of the war camp? Just one about the dogs in general. This is a great public service announcement for why you should treat your dogs right. But this is the other thing I was going to say. This is another behind the scenes thing from an interview I read with the actor who plays Ramsey, whatever his name may be, Ewan, Ray, whatever, my friend. Um, they asked him about the dogs in the scene and they, they wanted to know how close the dogs actually got to him. And the dogs are almost completely CGI because the dogs that they cast that play these Ramsey's dogs, the dogs that are actually on set are trained hunting dogs. They're not pets mm. and they're actually super violent to the point where when they're on set and they're in a scene, you're told like, don't look them in the eye. Don't talk directly to them. Like you cannot touch them. They're super like guard dogs. They're not pets or people, people dogs. Wow. Like, they're not like the dogs that I deal with on a regular basis. Obviously I thought that was crazy that they didn't, you know, get a cute little cane Corso that was well-trained. Why do you, why do you think they went with a dog like that? Why, like that kind of? Maybe to keep the actors feeling a little menaced. You know, you get a yeah, dog out there yeah, and yeah, they're yeah. kind of cute and shit. And it's That's like, oh, point. but they're cute. If you actually have trained guard dogs that you're told when you get on set, hey, don't look that dog in the eye. It will kill you. Right. Don't run. Don't walk too fast. It'll kill you. You're probably still going to feel a little awkward in every scene you're yeah. in with them. Yeah, directors have um, been known to do that kind of shit to try to menace actors. They'll do shit like yeah. make them uncomfortable to get real performances out of them. So a lot of that stuff was CGI because the actual dogs were very, they were actually yeah. vicious dogs. So you, there was never a moment where they're fucking surrounding one of the actors, obviously. No, there, no, never, it was only like safe. distance and when they were behind gates and yeah, stuff. That's cool. And anything where they're close up with an actor is CGI because they're not nice. Good stuff. Somebody said milk of the puppy, and I almost had a spit take. That's a good one. Oh, my God. Oh, old old Ramsey gets milk of the puppy. I like it. All right. Well, episode nine, Battle of the Bastards, is over. Where was Ghost? Or it's not. Let's talk about Ghost. I was just wondering where he was at the end. The episode's over, and I didn't see him. Why wasn't Ghost here? I don't know. Honestly, it was probably best that he stayed out of the fray. Most, yeah. I mean, that's a CGI nightmare. What's he going to... Yeah. 
they already had to do CGI King Corsos. They're like, oh, God, we got to do ghosts and dragons. We could have horses fucking flying in the air. And now we have ghosts in here, too. Fuck. It's a good point. It's uh, I don't know. I don't know why I wasn't there. He's just chilling. He's he's hanging back out at the war camp patrolling. John is probably like, I just saw Shaggy Dog's head. Literally every direwolf is dead except you and maybe Nymeria, who may be roaming the fields, getting an army of wolves behind her. I don't know. Or she might be dead, too. So we should keep you in a safe spot. Yeah, most likely. Anyways, I was just Anyways, thinking about him. Are we done? Yes. All right. We are done. That's it. We're done talking about Battle of the Bastards. We're going to uh, wrap this baby up. Uh, but first, I think, well, what am I trying to say? We're going to do our listener comments. And Deadpool. Right. But before we do our listener comments, but before we, and our Deadpool, what the fuck am I trying to say? We're going to do our final thoughts, but before we do our final thoughts, we are going to start with our listener comments, then a Deadpool, and then uh, I guess we're going to call it a day. So let's cue up some music. I think we normally do the Deadpool first. We do? I think so. I don't remember. No, it's I don't been think so we many do. weeks. Can someone Thanks for making something me? for me to edit. <laughs> All right. Fine. Do you have a, do you, why are you nervous? You don't have somebody picked up yet? Don't. You slob. I just want to. There's so many there. First of all, the comments this week are out of control. I know. Uh, there's a ton of great ones. I am going to read Fiona Wards this week. Uh, Fiona's new. Uh, she's made a comment. I want to read it. I think it's pretty awesome. Jessica, you can scramble to get your comment together. Who are you reading? Fiona Ward. Fuck. So Fiona says, Ack. What a freaking great episode. So much to say, but it's probably all been said. However, I'm not really into the fight battle scenes, but I but I went with it, thinking, hey oh, here comes some fancy swordplay guffins. It was so tense, so real. I kept having to remind myself that it wasn't happening to me. The futility of their predicament truly made me believe we were going to lose them all. I haven't cried at all at this show, not even for Hodor. But when the LF's banner appeared, I did. I was just so relieved. I love it when TV makes me feel this way, heart, heart. That's awesome. So here's a woman who has never really shed a tear, never really got overly emotional at Game of Thrones. That, and then this week she did. She was, uh, when, when, old, when the old, when old Bayless showed up, she got overwhelmed. And I think that that's really cool. That ninth episode into the sixth season, it finally got her. I just think that's awesome. Thank you very much for writing in, Fiona. I know how you feel. It was tense. It was emotional. Um, my point in picking that comment was the simple fact that it is supposed to be emotional. Don't think too hard about the narrative of the battle and just think about the battle's visceral and emotional response that you get while you're watching it. And um, and if you want to think about it, think about how we've waited so long for it, how it's been something we've been really just waiting for, the punishment of Ramsey. We've all known that Ramsey's got it coming, right? We've all thought this guy has it coming. I can't wait. And uh, when we knew the Battle of the Bastards was coming, we knew most likely he was going to get it, but it was still awesome. It was still great. And that's what I really liked about it. So Jessica, who would you like to read? I'm going to read a couple things because one's not really a comment. It's just a quote that someone commented. Uh, Lisa Staten uh, posted a quote that she says she thinks it was the director of the episode said about Ramsey's death. And I just want to read it because Go when I it. read it originally, I was like, holy shit. Um, so they said, that said, there's no need to dwell on the actual carnage. 
What's left to our imagination is always way worse. The most effective moment for me was the sound of a squealing pig you hear from Ramsey in the background as Sansa walks away. Apparently, it's actually what happens when you rip someone's windpipe open while they're still alive and gasping for air. Excellent. So. Damn. Um, I have another comment I want to read. Go for it. Um, I have a comment I want to read from Sam Spade. Like that guy. Um, who said he was looking for this all day and he found the common thread what he thought was too late. But you were incorrect, sir. You were just on time. Um, he reiterates a lot of points that we made. Um, it was amazing. From Danny with Drogon, Drogon and his bros BBQing, BBQing asses to the master <laughs> having to kneel before Grey Worm and the possibility of a Danny and Yara thing because she was feeling it. This needs to happen. We're on board, Sam Spade. That fucking, you know I what? Am. That's the one thing I just didn't mention. I just didn't mention the the beauty of seeing the masters kneeling to the slaves. That's fucking brilliant. It's amazing. Sam Spade, you're a fucking gangster, son. <clears throat> Thank you for that. The battle was chaos. Good chaos and that so much was happening and John getting trapped was hard to watch. And I love that callback to the Roman defeat by Hannibal. But Sansa holding shit out. Vital info that may have affected the entire battle. Sansa, we don't have the men. John, well, do you know any other army that will suddenly ride and save our asses? Huh? Do you? <laughs> and she didn't say shit. This is the second time they've had that conversation. But the end with Ramsay getting beat to shit. No, ass whooped was great. Sansa should have run over and got some stomps in while John held him. Awesome. All in all, an epic episode, and I'm glad we got some W's. We got some W's. I like his convo between John and Sansa. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good stuff. Uh, Ed Ippolito, he's a new commenter. He said, I think my hatred of Ramsey overwhelms all other feelings about the episode. I think my best reaction came just at the end. Who's your good puppy? Who's your good puppy? You are. Yes, you are. I think we're all thinking the same fucking thing. Eat his face off. Thank you very much. Can Ed. I give one more thing too? I have you can yeah, read as many as you want. We got no time limits. Um, this is just because I agree with this and this is something I said about and I wasn't sure who left the comment and Dean reminded me, which was Keith Bennell, who frequently trolls me and makes fun of me on Facebook. Um, he says you make it so easy for him. He says the issue with Sansa is that she's still playing the Game of Thrones, whereas John Davos, Tormund, Melisandre, etc. are all more worried about what is beyond the wall. Unifying the North just happened to make sense for both parties. I suspect that the writing is putting our heroes in a position where those at the wall have no soldiers chance against the walkers without Danny. It doesn't seem like any other kingdom save the North will send troops to the wall. Now that Stannis is gone. And I think the point he makes about Sansa doing one thing, whereas John and co are, are thinking about something different. They both have a different big picture. Sansa has no idea about what's beyond the wall, about the long night, about what is to come. Right. And that's all John knows about and thinks about. That's what he's thinking about. Sansa's thinking about taking back her fucking home. John's thinking about how are we going to stop everybody from dying? Yeah. Good point. Good stuff. Thank you very much, Keith. Final thoughts for Battle of the Bastards, Jessica. Anything you didn't get to that you want to? Any speculations you want to make? Any character notes you want to add? What do you got for me? Love this episode. Thought it was great. Yeah. Enjoyed watching it. I would watch it again. I hope that there is some great stuff in the finale. I feel like the finales are, are normally pretty spot on, but those episode nines, man, they're always fucking good, aren't they? Um, this was impressive. I'm interested to see where the storylines of these people go, of Danny and of John, since we're going to see them again next week. I'm interested about the foreshadowing about the wildfire under the Red Keep and what is going to come of that, because I think a lot of people in King's Landing are going to die. Awesome. Um, do you want to do the Deadpool though? 
Not yet. I want right. one more thing I want to say. I know we did the Deadpool last week. We did a little different this week because we haven't had to do it. We're a little rusty. <clears throat> but let me just say one thing that was not mentioned enough, if at all. Miguel Sapochnik, my brother, the director, is a savage. This guy is brilliant. He's talented. He knows exactly. He, he, he knows what he's doing here. He's got a knack for this. He has an eye for epic battle. He's very good at this stuff. And this guy is going to get recognized because damn sure he's going to be up for an Emmy for this episode, for his direct directing of this episode. He really should be. Uh, if he hasn't won one already, he probably has. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not exactly looking at his, uh, his, his biography awards. Uh, he did get, he did get nominated, I think for a gold derby award, according to IMDB drama episode of the year. For what? Uh, hard home. Oh yeah. Hard Home was awesome. Yeah, he directed Hard Home. He directed Battle of the Bastards, The Gift, and The Winds of Winter. So this guy has an eye for battle, an eye for medieval warfare, and I think he's very talented. And I want very much to see this guy break into cinema. I'd like to see him make a motion picture. I'd like to see what he can do with a larger budget. Huge budget, budget, yeah. More time. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to this guy's career in the future. I think he is a, uh, a fabulous director, and I'm very happy with what he's done with Battle of the Bastards. This is a huge task. Unprecedented television combat. This does not happen. This rivals any medieval combat battle scene you've ever seen in any movie ever. Agreed. It really does. There are some larger. There are some Lord of the Rings battles that are just way larger in scope, but the way you feel while you're watching this has a lot to do with the story that's been laid out and the characters that we know, but the eye this guy has for capturing the drama and putting you in the drama is incredible. Hats off to you, Mr. Miguel Sapochnik. I think you're very talented and uh, I appreciate your work, dude. That's what I wanted to make sure I said in my final thoughts. That's our final thoughts. Jessica, let's talk Deadpool. And I just want to let you know that Michael Hilger in the chat told me that the Deadpool is first. Okay. You were wrong. Thanks, Michael Hilger. Sorry we fucked up. Thanks, Michael Hilger. Anyways, there has finally been some movement in the Deadpool. Hold on. Did either one of us have anyone in their Deadpool this week, Jess? F you. Can you double check for me? I haven't looked yet. Who did, did I have anybody that died this I'm week? I'm just curious. I'm just going to discuss the front runners because they're the only ones that matter. <laughs> All right. I think I do. Who did I have? I can't remember. I can't wait to have a bunch of people die next week and you have nobody die. Was it Ramsey I had? Christine, I yes. just want to make sure. Oh, you literally have one person who might die next week. All right. So before okay, you get so. in, before we get into the Deadpool, I added this to the sidebar of the web of the website, LibertyStreetGeek.net. So it's easy to find if you don't have social media. Obviously, the Deadpool is something we're going to continue to do uh, in in the follow up seasons for this because it's fun as shit. Yeah. Next time, I'm going to put more thought into my Deadpool and not yep. do it on the spot. I learned my fucking lesson, people. The, the listener who wins the Deadpool is going to get a little something-something from us, and uh, it's a blast. Yeah, they are. You can also go to thronesdeadpool.liberystreetgeek.net. That's thronesdeadpool.liberystreetgeek.net. And while I have you guys on the line, before we get to the update, I see a lot of people in chat, 194. I just want to say thank you very much to everyone who turned up in chat. This is the most people we've ever had in chat for any show on any podcast. So thank you very much. If you don't know about our chat, you're missing out. It's Mixler.com slash LSG-media. That's Mixler.com slash LSG-media. We do live shows all the time. 
We have a schedule on our website that you're going to find when you go to it. We want you to jump in. And I'm going to ask everybody in chat to do us a favor. If you have iTunes, please go rate us and review us on iTunes. There's 194 of 194 of you. If just 10% of you <laughs> rate and review us on iTunes, we're going to shoot way the fuck up in the rankings and it's going to help us get more exposure. So please consider giving us a review on iTunes. That would be totally awesome. Thank you very much for showing up. Thank you very much for participating. Thanks for making the show better. This live thing, again, I have to thank Elton McManus of the Shonky Lab podcast for pointing me into the direction of live shows with Mixler. It's been a blast. We've had a lot of fun. We got one more episode. We're going to have a long off season. It's going to be sad. We don't know how we're going to entertain you in the meantime. We've talked book club, maybe. We've got some ideas. We're we're trying to figure something out. Uh, We do got a lot of other shows on the website, so make sure you check that out. I've made you wait long enough, people listening and Jessica, so please... Talk to me about the uh, updates on the Deadpool and make sure we use the proper titles for these people. Of course. And please make sure we mention who's responsible for the Deadpool. Let's thank again, Jonathan Morgensen, who does all this shit so that we don't have to do it. And also he makes it look beautiful on the website, which I never could do. He also designed an amazing mug that's getting a lot oh, of traction. God, it's beautiful. We're in the process of possibly setting up a, uh, a little store to sell these uh, at a price that is essentially the cost it takes us to get them to you. Uh, I think John and I discussed. So we're going to get more details on that. It's very cool. He took a bunch of quotes that we made during the course of this ludicrous podcast. Basically, it's making fun of us, essentially. (laughs) In in a good way, though. And um, we're going to have those up there. John and I are working something out. So uh, stay tuned. We have a shop on the website now, and we're building that up and shit, trying to go legit. So if you're interested in that bad thing, that badass thing, it will be available sooner or later once we nail that shit down and figure out how we're going to ship them and all that shit. So, Jessica, finally, Ugh. much like we waited for Ramsey's death, you can now update the Deadpool, please. First place used to be a two-way tie between Lady Christina Brown, the red woman, and Joe Polcini, the holder of doors. Um, but they got some competition now because <laughs> we have some people added on to the front runners. Yes. Uh, those people are Kelly Beam, the breaker of chains. Yeah, Kelly! Because she had Ramsey. Is she in first place? There, There's a tie. Five-way tie for first place. A five-way tie for first place. Mm-hmm. All right. With three three dead. Yeah, Kelly! Who's next? Um, so Kelly had, Kelly jumped up with the addition of the death of Ramsey. And so who does, so who does she have in her Deadpool? That's, that's, that's been, dead. That's dead. Um, she has Ramsey. Yep. She has Ruth. Yep. And she has our good friend that was murdered by Jon Snow earlier this season. Okay. Who is? Not Ollie. Okay. Alistair Thorne. Jesus Christ. The this other is a important one. Let's keep it moving here. All right. Uh, we who also does she have... Relate? Who are her people that haven't been picked? I want to see her chances here. Walder Frey and the High Sparrow. <sighs> I think that Could we're going to have lock, some people son. go five for five. Could be a lock, Because son. Christina Brown, who's... Also up top, yeah, has Christina, Loris Tyrell, yep. and um, Thomas Baratheon. Damn. Joe Polcini has a Kevin Lannister, and well, Masande is not going to die. So sorry, Joe, you're kind of screwed. Mm. Um, yeah, he's screwed. Sorry, you're out. Um, Steve Renald joins the top of the pack with the death of Ramsey Bolton. Who um, does he have? That's alive. He also has Walter Frey and the High Sparrow. So he has a chance to go five for five too. Wow. And the final addition to our front runners, who I also don't think has a chance to win, sorry, is 
Jonathan Marginson, the watcher on the wall. The watcher on the wall. The death of both Rick Hahn and Ramsey puts Powerful. him up in the front. Damn, he got a he got a double. He got a two That's for this That's right, week. he did. Um, waiting fucker. on his Deadpool for death is Lancel Lannister, Strong. who we're counting on, and Melisandre. Womp womp. Ooh. Don't think she's going to die. I don't know. I don't think so. This confrontation could get ugly. Anyway. He might come in with a, well, with a fucking Knights of the Vale rear charge and just storm this shit if Melisandre dies. Anyway, if it's worth saying to anybody, people have moved up, people have moved around, but there are only two left at the bottom. <laughs> One of them is the, losers? is the famous Sir Tony Piccolo, the Dark Star. Mr. Piccolo, you are the disgrace. You're good Italian name. I don't even know if he's Italian. I'm and the other is going to make a real comeback next week. Who's that? She's known as Lady Jessica, the lover oh, of hounds. The lover of hounds ain't got shit. You know what, though? I would like to give myself some credit because when I did this Deadpool, I just did it. I did not put any thought into it. And God damn it. <laughs> next time I'm putting thought in. And I don't care what you're saying about me in the chat. You know what? We might have to do it a little differently. We might have to put a wrinkle in the old Deadpool. Why? We might have to do like a uh, who's going to live pool. And that might be harder. No. <laughs> I just think we have so to do. I just die. think next season we're going to have to do more than five people. To, to add some. To add some, because I think we're gonna have multiple winners because there's so many. Like we'll, we'll see. Oh, that's um, a good call. But as, at least for you and I, I think we should do more than five. Right on. All right. Anywho. Well, I pasted the iTunes link for the show in the chat. Thank you for people who are asking for it. Thank you, Yana. Thanks to people who are going to go review us right now. I really appreciate that. Predictions. Yes. So we know that some crazy shit's coming next week. We got seventy minutes. It's longer than this week's episode. Write my predictions on the board. I'm going to write them down so you can write them down. I don't care about your predictions. Okay, I'm going to write my predictions down. All right. Prediction one, Jessica, go. Sansa plus Littlefinger equals love. Okay. Not necessarily love. How do we quantify that? But there's going to be talk of a marriage proposal and ruling Winterfell together. Okay. Prediction number Make two. Make sure you keep those handy so we can laugh at you next week. Cersei uses wildfire to kill people, including Tommen. Accidentally, maybe. But Tommen's going to die. Okay, Tommen's going to die. Who else? kill everybody on my Deadpool. Okay. Well, what? What do you think this is going to be? A fucking atomic bomb? <laughs> so how long is hand and fucking Jorah Mormont, my boyfriend? What the fuck are they doing there? <laughs> Wouldn't it be? Hell- oh, my God. I just imagine <laughs> the scene. Everybody's waiting for the trial. They're like, where's Cersei? And then. Fucking Marjorie turns to her right and like Alaria stands next to her. She turns to her left. There's fucking Jorah Mormont. Like, wait a second. Wow. My dream comes true. Number right. three. Somebody in the chat just said this and this is on my list too. Jamie may die. You either say he dies or he doesn't. He Either Fuck he dies maybe. or Cersei dies. One of the two dies. Or Cersei dies. Yeah. Okay. That's cheesy. You get, you get, a, you get a victory on two lives. Pick one or the other. I don't want to. You pansy. What wait, else? I have another. Pre- wait, what is it? Oh, I saw Bran briefly in the previous. No, well, I'm not allowed to say the stuff. If that's we fine. see Bran. Yep, that's fine. Maybe we finally will get the end of the Tower of Joy scene. Tower. Wow. Well, because if not, Bold. I'm going to actually be aggravated. This is going to be like Negan bullshit. I'm going to be pissed off. Like, why do you tease me like this and not tell me? That's nothing compared to Negan fuckery. I know. So those are my predictions. Do okay. I have any other ones? Let me think. Mm, no, I feel pretty good with those. Okay. I feel pretty good. Maybe Dario would die. That'd be great. I'm picking him my Deadpool next season for sure. 
Um, do you want me to predict stuff? I don't even have any yeah, predictions. Let me write yours down. I don't even have any. Hold hold on. Jessica made those predictions. Okay. Dean's predictions. Prediction one. Go. Uh, I don't know. Ugh. I got nothing. I have zero fucking predictions. So I have no idea what's going to happen. I win the fucking predictions then. Fine. Um, I don't know. Um, what's going to happen with the fucking Tully army? I don't know. Jamie Lannister. I don't know what's going to happen with him. I think that, I think we could see the Sept of Baylor get blown up. But only the Sept. Uh, no, there's going to be bodies in there. Yeah, but I, like, not all of King's Landing. I think that, I think the Sept of Baylor, no, I don't think it's going to fucking <laughs> destroy entire, the entirety of King's Landing. But the Sept of Baylor, which is the seat of power for the High Sparrow, which is where the trial's going to be. I think if I'm Cersei, I might say, sorry, sweet, sweet, sweet Tommen. I think she killed Tommen by accident. I think, I think the Sept of, look, I'm just going to get bold. The Sept of Baylor is going to go up with the High Sparrow and Tommen. And maybe Watch Loras. Both in your Deadpool. Ugh. I know that's probably not going to happen. Tommen, uh, I think you're probably on point with what's going on. I think Melisandra is going to be okay. I think she's going to be unscathed <sighs> by this uh, by this by this uh, accusation from Davos. I don't, I don't think count that as a fair her. prediction because if so, I have the following predictions: Sansa is going to be okay. Littlefinger is going to be okay. Is, is, Tormund is, is going to is be Melisand- okay. Is, well, are they accused of burning a little girl at the stake that Davos loved? <laughs> Come on. I don't know what Tormund does in his spare time. Okay. Oh, I know what he does. He murders sweet that sweet Prince Ollie's family. Yeah. Honestly. Don't you forget it. <laughs> I thought it was Egret who murdered his family. <laughs> I think you're right. All right. Um, I don't know. I got nothing. That's it? You have two fucking predictions? Yeah, I got nothing. I'm sorry. Win. You win. Fine. I win. Yeah, I got nothing for you. What do you want me to tell you? What else What else can I say? I right, just remember my predictions, chat room. Don't worry, I'm going to hang them on the fridge. The fridge. <laughs> the fridge. <laughs> like a fucking art project. Don't people do that? I guess. We're out of here. We've talked enough. We're done. Oh, God. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for checking out LSG Media's coverage of A Game of Thrones. Make sure you check us out on the web at libertystreetgeek.net. That's libertystreetgeek.net, where you can see other shows we have like The Walking Dead and the Science Fiction Film Podcast. All right, folks, we will catch you next week. Have a good one. Have a good one.